Are you ready, Christine? I sure am. Are you ready, Ma? Yes, I am. Now listen to the story. <laughs> we are going to Nutbush, Tennessee. Oh, Ooh, good one. We are doing What's Love Got to Do With It? And we have a guest um, host today. Mac is here with us today. Yes, he's having a little senior moment. So <laughs> if he's and making extra noise. I, uh, the way they are taking care of Mac, I hope they take care of me as I continue to. Well, guess. <laughs> guess. <laughs> okay. Well, at least you have insurance. Yes. Don't worry, Ma. You know what? One of the dogs in our house does, but um, the one this the one that has had the frequent vet <laughs> visits is the one that does not. So, oh. you know, you know what, Ma? You, I will because I do love you as much as Mac. So. <laughs> and, and you'll uh, you'll let the doctors do one hundred dollars worth of whatever. Yeah, they need I'll approve a hundred dollars for whatever they need to do to save your life. <laughs> Nothing more. We just. When we were coming home from Christmas, I said, this time we drove by, I was like, was that the place that we, that your mom approved to spend a hundred dollars <laughs> on them? It might've been less. Maybe it was 200. Oh no. I'm pretty, I'm sure it was. I, I'm, I feel like it was a hundred. I just wanted them. That's pre-approval. So that's what you mm -hmm, can do yeah. before I talk to you about it. But yes, I've gotten heard about that ever since. Well, this is the story of Tina Turner, who's, listen to this, pyrotechnic voice. Oh, that's Whoa. a great, yes. Yes. And indomitable spirits oh, took oh. her from obscurity to the heights of stardom in the music world. I mean, okay. I mean, this is, uh, we should say off the bat, trigger warning for oh, yeah. a multitude a of, of things. Yes. Sexual assault, domestic violence. Please seek help. Get out. Yes. I learned two things from Oprah Winfrey. My mom is not that biggest Oprah Winfrey fan, but coming as I, the age I am, coming home from school, I learned two important things from Oprah Winfrey. One, never go to a second location. Mm -hmm. Fight like hell and never go to a second location. You will be murdered if you go to the second location. Two, first time you get hit is the last time you get hit. There's no more. And I know that it's it's easier said than done. And try, oh, baby, baby, I'm so it'll never happen again. No, first hit, last hit. I should. I guess I should just say first assault, last assault. Thank you. Yeah, because I have a quote from him that's really... Oh, God, yeah, his interview? Yeah. Uh, I learned a lot from Oprah Winfrey about Tina Turner. Oh, I mean, this is like... Did you listen to the podcast? Yes, I, I had listened to it a long time ago when it came out, oh. the Oprah Soul Sessions. But when I was a kid, this wasn't because this was... 93 was prime time. Aaron comes home from school at 4 p.m. Oprah Winfrey show is on. And when Tina Turner came to Oprah's show, mm -hmm. that was a big deal. I mean, it was because 
Oprah Winfrey was such a huge, is still such a huge Tina Turner fan that it was, and I was too. And so I just remember all of those things, the conversations and the Oprah soul sessions with Tina Turner. And yeah, so there's a lot. Plus there's the, there's the Tina documentary that I just, just now rewatched on HBO Max that is fantastic. It coincides with- I'm gonna with have to pull that up. Yes, there's going to be so much info and there's so much things to go in and watch. But uh, go ahead, Ma. Well, we're ready for your particulars. Oh, my particulars. Okay. What's Love Got to Do With It? It came out wide in the United States on June 25th, 1993. And we saw this at the beach. Do you remember? Oh. I'm pretty sure we saw this at the beach. We might have. Mm Mm-hmm. So well, I'm sure Poppy wasn't happy with the music quality. Not happy with the sound. I think this was the last film that we saw. Well, not the last film we saw, but there was a time when we wouldn't go because my dad wasn't. The beach audio was not up to his snuff. <laughs> he was not happy about you don't it. Say. Yeah, so there was a long time. And I think that this was the straw that broke the camel's back. He was like, I got to listen to what's love got to do with it. And these tinny ass speakers. <laughs> nah. <laughs> what the you know what the problem is? I'll tell you what the problem is. <laughs> All right, the particulars. It was directed by Brian Gibson, who also did the Josephine Baker story. The juror. <laughs> which I always think of the 30 rock joke, <laughs> row roll juror. <laughs> and still crazy. The screenplay is by Kay Lanier who also wrote Glitter, Beauty Shop, Crazy Sexy Cool, colon, the TLC story. Uh-huh. And she also wrote Set It Off. I was like, interesting. It's based on the 1986 autobiography, I, Tina, by Tina Turner and Kurt Loder. Kurt Loder is a rock critic. He was a feature writer for Rolling Stone magazine. And if you're my age then you know him from MTV because he was the host of MTV's Mm -hmm. This Week in Rock, and he famously was the first one that broke the news of Kurt Cobain's death. In the the 90s and stuff, he was the face of MTV journalism. Um, The book is composed of passages from different people and stuff, so it's like she wrote it and he wrote it, and, and it's kind of other people kind of telling her story, which makes sense because in 1996... Or 1986, she probably wasn't as, uh, like, still processing shit, we'll say. Yeah, yeah. Which, of course, you will. Nerd alert, speaking of Rolling Stone magazine, Tina Turner was the first black person ever on the cover of Rolling Stone magazine in 1967. Oh, wow. I mean, and that was kind of in the early role because i think rolling stone started in the late 60s so she was one of the first people but she was outstanding first black first boom is edited i think she was like the oldest person on french vogue or something i believe that i mean maybe not now but when oprah interviewed her Mm -hmm. oh yeah she she, she, ah, man i I just got to go into it now. One of the things about Tina Turner is I was like a four-year-old kid seeing what's love got to do with it, loving it, loving the Tina Turner hairstyle, loving the strut, loving everything. 
Tina Turner, Madonna, Prince, Michael Jackson. That was their heyday. I thought they were all the same age. Had no idea. Mm-hmm. Wasn't Ma kind of like alluded to it, but I didn't even know of Ike and Tina Turner. You were kind of like, oh, she was like famous before and a big deal before. I didn't know. I was four years old. And as I, as I grow up and stuff, and then I kind of do the math, and I'm like, wait a second. She was like in her 40s when What's Love Got to Do With It came out? Like, yeah. A bit, she's on MTV as a 40 year old black woman. Like, yeah, that's what they were saying. Yeah. Like, the guy is saying, You want to do rock? You're 44 years old. Oh, man. So, so then from that moment, like, she's just since I was four years old, I've loved Tina Turner. Okay. And then seeing this movie, this came out in 1993 in the summertime. I was still 12 years old, turning 12 to 13. So, this is a very foundational film. I learned a lot of important life lessons from this film. A lot. <laughs> like, always have your own money. <laughs> but, like, there's a lot of stuff that I learned from Tina Turner. It's edited by Stuart Pape, who also did Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice. We'll have to do that at some time. Yeah, because I've always heard about it. And Sister Act 2 and White mm. Chicks. Okay. <laughs> Oh, the music is <laughs> pretty funny movie. I I, I wonder. I, I remember seeing it. I, I think I don't know. I remember seeing it when it came out. That might be a good movie for us to. I was just like, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> um, the music is by Stanley Clark, who also did. Um, well, Stanley Clark, he's a famous bassist fusion, rock, jazz, famous bassist. He also did the music for Pee Wee's Playhouse, Boys in the Hood, Passenger 57, and Nerd Alert, he has a bass on permanent display at the National Museum of African American History and Culture in Washington, D.C. Oh, we wow. haven't gone there. Didn't even know that was a museum. Oh my gosh, because that's, that's like up there with the the Holocaust Museum of like, you just have to just bring your tissues with you and know that you're going to be put through the emotional ringer. Mm-hmm. I bet his base is like at the end to be like, hey, feel good. Like with Beyonce, a picture of Beyonce in, the, in his base of like, but but look at all we've done. Uh, the director of photography is Jamie Anderson, who also did Unlawful Entry, Gross Point Blank, and Bad Santa, ma. Bad Santa and Girls Point Blank, I enjoyed as well. Same, same. All right. Starring. National Treasure. Angela Bassett as Tina oh Turner. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. She had Don't a worry. Mustache. I wrote down her workout routine. Oh, oh. good, because I, I need to know. Okay. She had her lip movement. She had, yeah. Everything. But she did lip sync. She had okay, to. Okay, good. I realized I didn't had going to. into this like two minutes before. I was like, you know what? I didn't question, but <laughs> she did can't. it so well that yes. that you couldn't tell. But you cannot, you, you cannot uh, do anything but lip sync, Tina. Yeah, I will talk about it more because that's a, in the bio in the realm of biopics. That is a hot topic, and people have a lot of hot different takes on it. And I will talk about it more. Let's talk about Angela Bassett. She was she was around 35 when she made this. As a, she looked so young when she was young. Anna Mae Bullock just 
Oh man. Okay. I mean, she still looks young. Yes. She, this, she just last week won a Golden Globe yeah. for um, Wakanda Forever and referenced that how she had won it 30 years ago for What's Love Got to Do With It. Mm-hmm. I was just like, we picked the movie. Oh my gosh. This is the universe. It just all revolves around Gone with the Bushes. Okay. It does. Listen, listen to the roles that Angela Bassett has played. This is just a few of them. She's played Betty Shabazz, the wife of Malcolm X, in Malcolm X. She plays Coretta Coretta Scott King in the TV film Betty and Coretta. She played Valetta Wallace, the mother of Notorious B.I.G., in Notorious. She played Catherine Jackson, the mother of the Jackson family, Michael, Janet, Latoya, Jermaine, all of them, Tito, and the rest, in Jackson's An American Dream. She played Rosa Parks in the Rosa Parks story. Oh, my God. She played Queen Ramonda, the mother of Black Panther, in the Black Panther films. She was in Boys in the Hood. How Stella got her groove back. Yeah. Waiting to exhale. I mean, she is, like, Angela Bassett is so, the meme of her in Waiting to Exhale when she tosses the the cigarette into the car and walks away, burning all the all the clothes because the man was cheating, that is meme. That it might have invented memes right there. She's currently starring and producing in the Fox series Nine One One. We'll talk about this more. But doesn't look like a very good show. But hey, cash them checks, Angela. That's cash right. them checks. She is a graduate of the J- Yale Drama School. Mm. She got bona fides. Here's a nerd alert. The first time she ever got a C, a grade, the C grade in her life, she tried to tell her mom, but that's average. And her mom was like, there's nothing average about anyone in this family. <laughs> mm. But do you know the subject that that C came in? No, nothing. No. She got her first C in high school in Math. P.E. No. Uh, P.E.? Oh, well, you got a C in P.E. too, and I had to go and talk about it. I think you got an S. I think it was S and No, it was letter grades. I went in and had a problem with her. Yeah, and my arms don't look like Angela Bassett's, so I don't know what kind of... I don't know anybody to do. Oh, man. I know. Look at just pull up the private dancer cover. I was like, oh my gosh, that's exactly what she had to do. Okay. Candy Alexander as Darlene. Um, she was in there something about Mary, the corner, ER, scandal. She's Olivia Pope's mother. And Nerd Alert, before all of that, from 1988 to 1992, she choreographed Whitney Houston's world tour. Okay. I mean, mm. this woman, she has bona fides. You've just always seen her around. She was also in the show News Radio, just always around. Mm-hmm. Lawrence Fishburne as Ike Turner. Mm-hmm. He was in Boys in the Hood, Apocalypse That's Now. Uh huh. Boys in the Hood, <laughs> Apocalypse Now, The Color Purple. Most people know him as Morpheus from The Matrix. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen The Matrix, but. I know who Morpheus is. Yeah, you've seen Blips. And and he's in John Wick 
two, three, and four. That's what I know him from. Now that's a movie I've seen. And and pops in blackish. Oh yeah, and pops in blackish. Oh okay, I've seen that too. And his yeah. wife. Okay, we'll wait. For I've never seen the wife? color purple. I saw it oh, one time. Gonna... Yeah. It might be long though. And it's going to be interesting because it was controversial when it came out because it was. Yeah, and I don't know about Oprah as an actress either. Oh, wait. Wait till you see the color purple, though. She's good? Oh, yeah. Oh, she's good. Oh, she's mm-hmm. real good. Oh, shit. Okay. Like, sometimes it's not like... a huge part, but she does a really good job of it. Okay. Yeah. Like, she's one of those people where, like, you see her and it's. She could have. She's so talented that she and draws from so much pain in her real life yeah. that she could, if she wanted to, always. I think I feel like she could have gone and been a, a fantastic actress and all of that, but for her own mental well-being, she didn't want to draw, have to always draw into all that pain. I mean, she wanted she to help her. others. She too. found her niche, I think. But yeah. yeah, but yeah, I didn't know if it was just like, oh, we'll let Oprah be in this because she's Oprah. Mm-mm. Steven okay, Spielberg, he didn't play that stuff. Oh, right. And, right. and that was a, a, a thing, too, because it was Spielberg. But that, I mean, I'm sure when we get to it, it was, well, do you want the movie to get made? Because Hollywood's racist and this is cast, and Spielberg mm-hmm. can get the movie made. So, mm-hmm. I mean, this movie's directed by a white guy. So, yep. we have, speaking of blackish, Jennifer Lewis as yes. Zelma Bullock. Mm-hmm. Tina's mother, she kind of started her career out as a backup singer for the Divine Miss M, Bette Midler. She can sing. She Mm -hmm. can sing. She's also been in Sister Act, Poetic Justice, The Preacher's Wife. Sister Act. Mm -hmm. Well, black people. She, her, (laughs) uh, I believe her memoir is called like Unofficial Mother of black hollywood because she's yes. always the mother in things um and she's also the mother the mother grandmother in blackish married That's to right. lawrence okay. fishburn and she isn't we wow. need to come up oh, maybe, yeah maybe we need to come up with a new category called the jennifer lewis john lithgow of like when actors where you're always uh, uh, keep at an arm's distance because they were just too good playing a character that you despise. Like John Lithgow, oh, yeah. you know, it's just like he, when you see him, I forget what movie he was in, but I know he was like horribly racist and mean and evil. So I'm always like, ooh, do I like you? And Jennifer Lewis, because of this role, I'm always like, oh, you are a cold, cold, bad mother. Ooh. She has an excellent autobiography or memoir. Excellent. Oh, you read it? You've read so many autobiographies. uh, Yeah, I'm reading Spare right now. It's really, it's very easy reading. And right now we're, you know, Diana. It's the very beginning. Okay, moving on. We have Vanessa Bell Calloway as Jackie. She was Uh, coming to America. Yeah. Crimson Tide and the Inkwell. She was in uh, so many All My Children. Yes, that's where a she lot started. Of all my children, yes. Yeah. We have Shy McBride as Frost. He was in Undercover Brother, Draft Day. And I knew him 
from the TV show Boston Public, and he's exactly. also in Hawaii Five O right now, and he's been in so many things. Mm -hmm. And then finally, I had to give a shout out to this young actress, Raven Lamore Kelly as young Anna May. Oh my God, she was amazing. Oh my God, she was so good. And she did so much work at this time. Um, she was in A Time to Kill. She was in Hannah doing Hannah Montana stuff. Remember the TV show Maximum Bob? Yes. No one remembers that but you and I, Ma. She was in that. <laughs> and she was in the critically acclaimed show I'll Fly Away as well. Oh. So those are the particulars. So I'm going to set the table. Why can't I ever remember the name of the, the, the screenshot when the movie starts? It's what kind of a card? A title card? Okay. Or, or, yeah. Okay. So it starts with a title card saying... The lotus is a flower that grows in the mud. The thicker and deeper the mud, the more beautiful the lotus blooms. And this is a thought expressed in the Buddhist chant. No myoho renge kyo. No myoho renge kyo. Doesn't wow. she do it good? Oh my God. Because I do it from this movie. I culturally appropriated Buddhism from this movie. And it works. <laughs> well, I need to appropriate it myself we see a child singing in a gospel choir in like a country church well, where the gospel Tennessee. where the gospel choir is adults and some children <clears throat> and she is unable to harness her enthusiasm the director tells her to stop that wild gyrating and blue shouting and she is put out of the church Walking home, she sees her mother <clears throat> taking her sister and leaving her behind to be raised by her grandmother. We jump to 1958, where she meets Ike Turner in a club. What could go wrong? Oh, so much, but so much goes right. Yes. POC, lots. You know what? I didn't really do a POC count. I decided to hijack this because we are recording on Sunday the 15th, which is Martin Luther King Jr.'s Real birthday. birthday being observed tomorrow. So I thought I would take this time to remind everyone that in 1966, 50% of white Americans said that Martin Luther King Jr. was hurting the civil rights effort. Mm-hmm. Only 36% of white Americans said he was helping. And amongst white Americans, he had a favorability rate of 27%. Mm -hmm. I also have a quote that I would like to read because this isn't a quote that you're going to see posted by everybody tomorrow. This is... This Does it, is it. It's not I Have a Dream? No. It isn't cuddly. The It isn't the... Uh, what, what would you call it? You know how they make... Like Martin Luther King is... is they make them all, all cuddly, and, and they, they've sanded out his, his uh, edges. Yeah. And, you know? <clears throat> the total peacemonger. You know, yeah. the warmonger, he's the peacemonger. He's like, complete pacifist. Can't he's, everybody get along? Yeah, why can't we just all get along? They make him digestible. Yes, palatable, like falling on the ear. So exactly. I, I recommend that you Google Martin Luther King um, incendiary quotes. And to get, and they're not even that incendiary. That's the thing. But you'll get a real flavor. So here is one that I would like to to share. It's 
from his three evils, the three evils speech that he gave in 1967. Quote. I was going to do an impression, but I can't. No, so. please don't. God, oh, my gosh. Oh, no. my God. No, we don't want to get canceled. I know. Our, I by our 17 I, listeners. I know. They're like, this is a bridge too far. Quote. <clears throat> Again, we have deluded ourselves into believing the myth that capitalism grew and prospered out of the Protestant ethic of hard work and sacrifices. Capitalism was built on the exploitation of black slaves and continues to thrive on the exploitation of the poor, both black and white, both here and abroad. Not what you're going to see tweeted about tomorrow. No, but it's, yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, for cast, I have one. I can start. Yes, go. Teeny. Yeah. Look at me. Um, we've talked about it before, but I, t uh, about racism and rock and roll and, and nobody wants to credit like black people with rock and roll music. There is an article that I read on Northwest public broadcasting called How Racism Pushed Tina Turner and Other Black Women Artists Out of America. Um, you didn't read, it, I didn't read this article, but I read a, a very similar article called How Rock and Roll Became White. So go ahead. Oh, yeah. So it starts by talking about um, her 1966 single, River Deep Mountain High. And I'm seeing that all day. Oh, I yeah, know. So good. It ranked number three in the UK charts. But on the U.S. Billboard that same year, it didn't get higher than 88. And I have not seen the HBO documentary, Tina. I need to watch it. It's on my list. But um, Ike Turner explains that uh, there's a quote from him that said, Black artists had to go top 10 on the R&B charts before the top radio stations would even touch it. And that the song was too white for black jockeys and too black for white jockeys in the US. Mm -hmm. And I mean, obviously there's a lot of stuff about how when Tina started going solo, like a lot of the songs became a lot more poppy. She didn't like um, what's love got to do with it when she heard it. Like, was it, she wanted to be a rock and roll artist and not a mm -hmm. pop star. Um, but for this one, it goes on to talk about one of the co-directors in the documentary, Dan Lindsay said, Tina is a massive, iconic performer, even in America. But outside of America, Tina Turner is a megastar. Mm -hmm. um, and it talked about like the differences of adoration that she felt throughout her career between the U.S. and European audiences reflected the vestiges of Jim Crow that were still very much alive in the music industry. Um, and he said, while well, walking... While rock, walk and roll. While rock and roll is rooted in the black experience and the black musical tradition, the mainstream industry has racialized it as white music. So Tina Turner had much resistance when she wanted to position herself as a rock and roll artist. Mm -hmm. um, and she ended up moving to, she has citizenship in Switzerland. Yeah. Um, like, and when you watch the documentary, you'll see the sea and throngs of people. And she was like that here when she toured as well. But it doesn't, I mean, given her background and how she was treated, and then, of course, she's going to Switzerland as Tina Turner and a star. So she is going to be treated, if we're talking like cast, right. 
Like, but perception's but, reality. Like mm-hmm. what you perceive as though these people are welcome more, you know, it's different. Definitely. Clearly to her. Um, and she said, like she she was doing an interview and somebody's like, Yeah, you're a superstar in America too. And she said, Well, not a not as big as Madonna. I'm as big as Madonna in Europe. I'm as big in some places as the Rolling Stones. Um, so it goes, it's a good article, but I thought that was interesting. It also talked about we've talked about Josephine Baker before mm-hmm. on the podcast, so I won't go as much into that, but um Baker was a performer who, like many other Black women performers in the United States, found that the world of stage was highly segregated and that the color line was real and that bore itself out in terms of where she could find work as a stage performer. And she, too, could find work overseas. Um, So she had to quote that says, I ran away from home, I ran away from St. Louis, and then I ran away from the United States of America because of that terror of discrimination, that horrible beast which paralyzes one's very soul and body. But I won't go into the rest of the article, but it's a really good one to read if you have a moment. Excellent. And we went into it in Paris Blues too. Sidney Poitier didn't want to leave Paris because he was so well accepted there and he'd have to come back and face all the segregation here. But then you have the the flip side of that then from you know, the black community of being like, oh, you don't want to, you're not black anymore, or, or you, you know, mm-hmm. just like, oh, you're turning your back on, and that kind of thing, and it's, but, well, cool white supremacist. Like guy. when Ike said she has no problem opening her mouth for a white man when he tells her to. There's always. And, that, well, so, and then another thing I read about was um, an article called what's race got to do with it remembering ike turner and this one i have a i don't know how to feel about it but it's a perspective that's out there so i will talk about it and it does have some validation well i guess it's not my thing is i don't want to support him because i think but we're in a moment where it's like things like michael jackson or what's his name uh r kelly r kelly or nick carter or like these people who like mm-hmm. you know it's oftentimes it's for sexual abuse these days and then it's canceled but then you have to have the conversation i'm sorry i can't put nick carter in the same bucket as michael jackson with talent but you know what i'm saying yeah. like it's the conversation of like do you cancel all of the all that they did because it's indisputable that ike turner was talented and did a lot for rock and roll music but at the same time, did some terrible shit. Yeah, but at the other things. end of that, would it have yeah. been portrayed the same if it was a white man that was doing this? And oh, the article no. talked about, yeah, right? And it's like, it once again, like, perpetuated the stereotype of, like, a violent Black man. Mm-hmm. Even well, though a lot of it was true. But he, but it, you know it would not have been done the same if it was a white man that was doing this. It would probably have been a blip on the radar in the movie, and that was that. Well, we mm-hmm. have it. We have. I don't remember seeing it, but we we can talk about. It, but there's a movie about Jerry Lee Lewis called Great mm-hmm. Balls of Fire, and Dennis Quaid was in it in the '80s, and he married his like cousin. What Jerry Lee Lewis do? Oh, horrible! Great Balls of Fire. I don't know. I couldn't oh. even tell oh, you what he did. Great Balls of Fire. He he basically okay. oh, was like oh, white okay. little Richard. Yeah. And, but he and, married his fifteen-year-old cousin. I mean, and that's Ooh. the most palatable thing he did. He also probably murdered 
at least one person, maybe a couple of people. And it's, yeah, it gets swept yeah. under the rug of this eccentricities. I mean, country music is really riddled with it, especially yes, it in is. that time frame. Yeah. If you're going back of. They talked about ends. Phil Spector's abuse. Yes. Phil Spector. Yes. And then he was on trial for murder or something, but nobody really like. He shows up yeah. in this movie. You guys are like, there's one fuck boy over oh, yeah. here. Well, he, no. Oh yeah, oh, he spoke that's... at Ike Turner's funeral. Yes. So I, so for my, um, well, I'm sorry, Tini, are you done with your cast? Yeah, I'm done. It's a yeah, I'm done. Like it's hard to deny that he was still a shitty fucking person. But oh, yes, it's yes. also you can't deny that it would have been treated differently and portrayed differently had the exactly. table been turned. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Both of these things can be true. So here, I'll say that Ike Turner, another maybe category of. Broken clock. Ike Turner. Broken clock. And Ike Turner. Right twice a day. Two things they were right about. One, yeah. Tina Turner. So right. horrible Ike Turner, horrible piece of shit. He did find Tina Turner and he did like we got Tina Turner. Came up with the name Tina Turner. Again, later on, we're going to just savagely rip this man apart. So don't think that that we're all like forgetting how much of a fuckboy Ike Turner is. No. But it's true. The second thing that's true is, and it's alluded to in the film, and it's rightly so. He was right to feel slighted by the likes of Elvis, the Beatles, and oh, the yeah. Rolling Stones, of seeing how these right, white rock stars are making money, getting fame, and getting the hits, playing what is essentially like black music, music right. that, that came from, mm-hmm. from black people. His and they in the movie they only allude to it when he's like whining to Tina about how everybody that um, he puts on leaves him and stuff. Basically, what he's talking about is there's a song called Rocket 88, and it came out in March of 1951, and it's credited to Jackie Breston and his Delta Cats, but it's really Ike and his Kings of Rhythm. Jackie Breston was a saxophone player in Ike's Kings of Rhythm. And that record is considered by many to be the first rock and roll record in March of 1951. Oh, wow. And that was like he that he wrote the song, but he didn't. That's not what's on the the record. That isn't Mm -hmm. what guy is in the books or anything like that. So he like and he's coming to it from that. And there's also a lot with, you know, like hurt people, hurt people and and stuff like that. They did go into that. They did show that. He had a, a a rough upbringing. He had a. She uh, did too. She did too. But that's that's caste. That's part of of the, of the white supremacy. That's part of. They didn't meant. They mentioned that his dad got his like stomach kicked in by gangsters. They didn't mention that his dad was a Baptist minister and that the gangsters was a white mob, and that he saw them beat his father. And um, he was later told that the reason that they beat him was because he was fooling around with with a, a girl. There was about a girl. So you read into that what you will. These people telling him this, but his father is a... So I'm saying, like, yeah, that could be. Or he could have... That could easily be some racist bullshit right there. Of racial violence, you know? Oh, yeah. So, and he felt... He was very insecure because he didn't have, a, you know... an a formal education, and he felt like he was ugly, which 
I mean, Lawrence Fishburne was. I'll what? talk about it right now. One of my my runner-up LV MVP mm-hmm. is Tina Turner. How many times Tina Turner references like being ugly when she's interviewed by Oprah? Oh. Yes, because she was in the movie. It makes like she was smitten by him. But in real life, Tina was like, I ne- I always was, I was not really attracted to him. I thought he was ugly. It was very platonic, but there's more on that. Anyway, cast. There's a 2016 Slate article by Jack Hamilton called How Rock and Roll Became White. And I am somebody who I, my musical taste and musical leanings are R&B and rock and roll. And I've always really liked rock and roll. And that's one of the reasons why Tina Turner is so important to me. Because at a young age, I saw this black woman doing rock and roll. And I was, I was, that was one of the first things that I was taught about Tina Turner was that she taught Mick Jagger how to dance. Yeah. So anytime I saw the Rolling Stones or, or Mick Jagger out there being a rock star, I was like, he learned that from a black woman. So I've always loved rock and roll. And it's always, it's personally always bothered me how if you're black and you like rock music that you're some kind uh, that it's different and you're an alien and that and i'm like no this is my music mm-hmm. like it's everybody's music but there's like like black this came from black people what are you talking about so in the article he references the 1973 essay by pulitzer prize winning author margot jefferson called ripping off black music she wrote this in 1973 quote The night Jimmy died, that's Jimi Hendrix, he died in 1970. The night Jimmy died, I dreamed this was the latest step in the the plot being designed to eliminate blacks from rock music so that it may be recorded in history as a creation of whites. Future generations, my dream ran, will be taught that while rock may have had its beginnings among blacks, it had its true flowering among whites. The best black artists will thus be studied as remarkable primitives who unconsciously foreshadowed future developments. Wow. I was like, damn. And like when Jimi Hendrix died, he was, it was said that he was, quote, a black man in the alien world of rock and roll. What? Yeah. And his blackness was rendering his music as inauthentically rock at the same time that his music rendered his person as inauthentically black. But we only have rock music because of Sister Rosetta Tharp, Chuck Berry, Little Richard, Bo Diddley. And it's not just rock and roll. They did this with country music as well. I don't have the receipts to go into that, but I need to watch the Ken Burns like documentary. But like black people are integral part of country music. And the same way of like with rock music, that's what's happening. Rock and roll became white in a large part because of the stories people told themselves about it. Stories that have come to structure the way we listen to an entire era of sound. That's just like the movies, like how we go back and we watch this, because these are the stories that people tell people about themselves, that black people were bellhops and nannies and all of that. And then it goes on to talk about like when people do talk about the reason that black people are have been like cast out of rock and roll. There's the camp of, oh, Elvis stole rock music, but how that's kind of like basically at its 
like it's just very like uh, when you when you have something down to it's like oh it, it's easy to say like there is it's not he didn't really he couldn't steal it because there's no clear definable boundary between black right. and white music. There's no copyright on it. Yeah. Right. And all musicians who are worth hearing have been influenced by musicians whose skin color is different than their own. You know, I mean, every music is a, a building block. So people are influenced by Mozart, Bach and Beethoven. Like those people influence jazz and jazz and rock. And so it's always people bouncing ideas off of each other. And then so they're talking about it that way or they'll talk about it with the onus on black performers self-segregating as part of the civil rights movement and the move for self-determination. So it was like, oh, the 60s were happening and they wanted to they separated themselves from out of rock and roll. Oh, music. of course they did. It wasn't right? because they were separated. So then that conflates music and activism with musical art like their activism can kind of like sure you had some musicians who are big activists but that not all musicians and it also conveniently excuses the white majority of any sort of responsibility right so the most common way to discuss the the erasure of blacks in rock and roll is to just not discuss it which is what most of the time that people do. And when people do bring it up, like recently, like there was an article that I haven't read yet, but I'm going to about um, bringing it up in the indie rock scene, 2007 and that. And when somebody did write about it and pe they, people came out with their pitchforks and they're like, yeah. how dare you? This is so problematic. No, this isn't true. This isn't true. And all of that, that it's just like, you can't even discuss it. It can't even be nuanced. Like, so this guy, what's his name? Jack Hamilton, he goes on to say that and point out how recognizing white people as individuals while acknowledging non-white people only in relation to collectives is a hallmark of racism across all areas of culture. And you could argue that the entire history of white supremacy rests upon it. Mm -hmm. So I was all to say that it's not an accident. And it's the same reason why we find ourselves where we find ourselves now of like, wait, we're, you know, like, oh, you like rock music. Oh, that's white. You like white shit, you know, like stuff like, you know, same as black shit. I'm not saying like white shit's bad, you know, <laughs> look at TD, look at me. Ah, ah, but it, I hear your thoughts on emo music. I love emo music. And that's, that's part of, that's the thing. White shit. But that's why that's why I feel like no, I'm here because this is this is my motherfuckers too. You're gonna have to yeah. look at these curly ass hair and skin, and you're gonna have to deal with it. And they're not because they. Oh no, I'm not. Uh, not that it was. And the article goes on to to really go into the Rolling Stones and how the Rolling Stones were really the British press was really uh, nasty to them because how much they revered black music and black culture. And they kept um, put like it was like dog whistly and stuff, and now how then that turned and it wasn't the Rolling Stones like it was just the media and stuff and now like they're the establishment and so now that's what's funny yeah now when you think of rock it's it's the Rolling Stones and Mick Jagger and it's and you lose you know what Ike Turner what the Ike Turners did because say what you will the man is a fuckboy and we'll get into it but he also is a very talented musician who we would not be where we are in rock history without him. Right. And you don't hear about him. He's not revered. 
he's not it's he's not an Elvis. He's not I mean not that he was as talented as Elvis and stuff. Like he had his limits and whatnot, but it's just very interesting. Yeah. Because but you're just like, where are the where are the the black rock stars? And then on the black side in the black culture, it was the thing of like what happened with Whitney Houston. She's singing and the same thing to a similar extent with Tina Turner and stuff. It's like, oh, you're not black enough. Oh, you think yeah. you're white. You're seeing that pop music that, you know, and it's like, no, like, but this is black music. I am just because it's so it's just it's infuriating to me. Thank you. So now we are to nerd alert. No, we're not, because I still have oh, a few I'm more cats. Sorry, she <laughs> had to take a sip. <laughs> yeah, I had to. Um, it's Martin Luther King weekend. Get comfortable, people. This scene, I just wanted to point out in the movie something specific of cast in the film. That scene where they go into the rest or the cafe, and she was like, "White people eat here," because he brought Ike brought her in when he was gonna tell her that she's the new singer of the mm-hmm. Ike Review. And her being shocked that there are white people eating and that she was being waited on by a white waitress and stuff. You notice they still came in from the back. They didn't enter the front of the cafe, Mm -hmm. the diner. They came in from the back. And also they're the only, I believe they're the only black people in that establishment. So the only reason that they're there is because they're entertainers. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that that's something that's still to this day. You can be allowed in certain places if you are an athlete or entertain. Like there are certain echelons where if you are entertaining to the majority of people, oh, okay, we'll we'll allow it. Right. And finally, I'm sorry. My last one is Angela Bassett received no calls for acting for a year and a half after this film came out. I know. How? Really? Because I know Lawrence Fishburne said he uh, he had a long time where all women would look at him like eh, after this, but I didn't realize she didn't have acting jobs. So here, here's a quote from her, and she said, quote, this is a career about images. And I love this quote because this is like what we try to do in this podcast because it's about images. And, and I'm just like, oh. listen to Queen Bassett spit. This is a career about images. It's celluloid. They last forever. I'm a black woman from America. My people were slaves in America. And even though we're free on paper and in law, I'm not going to allow you to enslave me on film in celluloid for all to see and to cross the water to countries where people will never meet people who look like me. So it becomes a bigger thing than just me becoming a movie star and me just being on TV. But I've always maintained that the roles I cannot do because of the way I am made up or because of the way I think. I don't begrudge that there's someone else who has no issues with that. So she's basically saying because that she was offered roles and stuff, but she made it a point because it's about images and how people see people and she doesn't want herself being seen as being enslaved or something like that. Because she famously turned down the role that Halle Berry played in Monster's Ball. Okay. Ooh. She was like, yeah, that, that's not for me. That's not what I want. And that's and she's like, you do you. 
you know, it's a job, it's a pay, you might need to do it, but this lasts forever, and I don't want what lasts forever and is broadcast out there to be that. And I think, man, that's why she's a national treasure. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, and it could be an Academy Award-winning role, but I'm not willing to do that. Mm-hmm. But but I'm not going to say if you are, if that's where you are in your life, take it and get that acclaim and write it until you can't write it anymore. Exactly. And it's it's fascinating to look at the roles because other roles she's played is, I think, in those, like, whatever down, Olympia down or something like that. She plays, like, head of the CIA and she's talking yeah. about that or, or, like, head of the spy agency, something up in there. It's like where in real life there's never been a black woman. And she's like, I like that I get to play that. I know that that's going out and that that's forever and you exactly. will see a black woman in this right. position of authority. And she she was far enough in her career that she could make those choices? No, well, I don't know when this quote is from, but as far as like what's love got to do with it, that was this was her big like Breakout. she had yeah, cuz she had small roles and stuff, but this was her and she thought that, "Oh my gosh, I've just done this. I've played Tina Turner. I've killed it." I've Uh been nominated for an Academy Award. I won the Golden Globe. I'm going to get inundated by all these calls. And you hear, I think Halle Berry said the same thing when she won the Oscar. Like, you Uh always hear it, and it's... Way to go, Hollywood. Yeah. We are now at Nerd Alerts. I have either the best tasty nugget today Mm, or the best nerd alert. The mic drop. Nerd alert. Okay. Okay. See my pants. Um, Poppy helped Tina off stage in Los Angeles. <gasps> Wait. Okay, because he 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 said I I remember that he said that he was in the studio when they were recording Nutbush, Tennessee. Yes. And so Did I he see that part him. happen. No, because I texted him and I said, um, did you record with Ike Turner? He said, I was in the studio when they were working on Nutbush City Limits, but it did not make it on the version they used. And I said, do you have any stories that you want to share? And he was like, no, no interesting stories. Tina was not at that session. They were working on rhythm section stuff. And I was like, oh, did you get fined by Ike? He was like, no, I was not a member of the group. I had to go on active duty in September, and they were looking for someone to tour with them. Right. Because we had a friend who was best friends of someone who knew Ike really well. So that summer, before he went on active duty, um, he went out there and said, hey, this person sent me to see you. So he was able to come in and... um, meet them and so he was at one of their concerts and he helped tina off stage one time oh my gosh why did he never say that he touched tina turner he did he helped her off stage wow mic drop well also though i would like to know about this guy who really knew ike really well like it wasn't well it wasn't a guy it was a female oh And I don't know how she knew him so well, but well, uh, I have some guesses. I, yeah. <laughs> so, hmm, interesting. <laughs> I love how that 
was a total tasty, but we just put it in there. <laughs> it was, but I couldn't wait. Hey, if it fits, it sits. <laughs> if it fits, it sits. <laughs> if it fits, you must acquit. Well, it's okay, because this movie came out in June 1993, and we also did Cool Runnings and Hocus Pocus. So if you would like to know what happened in 1993, <laughs> you can uh, listen to those podcasts. There you go. I'd like, to, I'd like to talk more about Dina Turner in this okay, movie. Okay, go. Well, no, that, I was just saying those were the, the nerd alerts. Do you want me to do the movies and the Oscars? I guess we should do the Oscars and the film. Sure. So the, the top five films were The Firm, Schindler's List... The Fugitive, oh, Mrs. Doubtfire, and Jurassic Park. I mean, nineteen ninety-three. Schindler's List. Wow. No, no that's a long. <laughs> see, Steven Spielberg goes long, and um, but man, that's a. Have you seen Schindler's List, Teeny? As a child, which seems weird to say, but as like a young person, but not. Yeah. Like it would be a brand new to me, maybe. I saw it in the the. I think I saw. I saw all of those films in the theater. The mm-hmm. Firm, Schindler's List, The Fugitive, Mrs. Doubtfire, and Jurassic Park, all in the theater. Mm-hmm. We were going to the theater like every weekend. We went to the theater. Every Saturday, racing down that road. Yep. Oftentimes, <laughs> you coming to the, the Bank of Aaron for cash. <laughs> and they're like, oh, keep track of it. Keep track of it. And I went to college, and I was like, you know what? It's a wash. <laughs> Forget about it. The Oscars, the Best Picture nominees were Drink. Okay, that is our Mackie. Let's have a drink on that. Adam's out with Tommy and he's standing by the door like Oh my god, he's howling. He's jealous. Did you see his little howl? It was kind of cute. It is kind of cute. Our little old man. Is it where Sparky used to howl? Yeah. He oh. was just coming back. Oh, he would howl and howl. The funniest thing was when Sparky, my childhood dog, would somebody would leave and he would always start howl. Howl! Like, just howl. And then the funniest thing was if you were the last, like, like I was downstairs watching TV and he thought that everybody was gone and he would start howling and you're like, I'm here! And he was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Or you walk back in because you forgot something, and he would be like, you interrupted my howl. I was singing here. I felt the spirit. <laughs> this is the dog who never made a sound. He make some noise. Look, he's coming back. Dog. Until Chandler came and taught him how to make some noise. Well, that's because he probably like a, a Tina's type situation. Oh, it's where a he very Tina beat. type situation. He yeah, was, you had... know what? That's pro- when did you start watching the movie, Tini? He probably got PTSD from watching Tina's story. Maybe he did. This is, I mean, it's cute how he does it. But it's only when Adam leaves. Well, yeah. Adam's just going to have to get one of those. Uh, bag things to carry him with him and take him wherever he goes. I don't know. Let me, um, you can keep going. I'll go on mute. So the Oscars were The Remains of the Day, The Piano, In the Name of the Father, The Fugitive, and the winner was Schindler's List. Out of all those, I mean, out of, wow, okay. Schindler's List swept those awards, I think. Well, 
you're forgetting it. I mean, the piano. Yeah. Didn't sweep all the awards. So best actress went to um Holly um go lightly. Holly uh Hunter. Let me see. So I have it. Angela Bassett was nominated for a Golden Globe and she won. Yes. She was the first black person to ever win a Golden Globe. Oh wow. She was nominated for Best Actress along with Stalker Channing for Six Degrees of Separation. Deborah Deborah Winger for Shadowlands, Ooh. Emma Thompson, The Remains of the Day, uh-huh. and the winner was Holly Hunter, The Piano. The Piano. Which, I'm a big Holly Hunter fan, but, I mean, the work that Bassett put in for this. She, her lips, every Ooh. movement, it was, she studied and studied and studied. She was, she encompassed I mean, I think it's, I have, but only for now. 30 days. Yeah, because yeah. she she got the 30 role. days, 30 days to prepare. And I think yeah. it's, it's one of the most athletic performances I ever remember seeing. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So it didn't Schindler's List didn't sweep everything. But it is interesting. I guess we'll have to do the piano and just see. But I, I I'm, a, I'm a big Holly Hunter fan, but I just, I don't know, Holly Hunter. I don't know. Isn't that where uh, young Anna Paquin won mm-hmm. supporting? Okay. Yep. And it's a Jane, Jane Campion, I believe is like, you know. Okay. I saw woman it. Woman director. Felt like it was kind of. It seems very Oscar one. Yeah, it yeah. seems like like in the in the whole Oscar realm of of Yeah. Oh, I'm surprised Remains of the Day didn't win more cuz it's British. Yeah, yeah. And the, I believe Mer- Merchant Ivory. This is when Merchant Ivory was just make a one well, I won't say it. But it is true. You make a documentary about the Holocaust, you would, you're guaranteed to win an Oscar and an Urchin, Merchant Ivory film and you're guaranteed to win an Oscar. What's Merchant Ivory? They were the the big time um, producers of those kind of films that you like, oh. like The Remains of the Day. I and do. Like, I, yeah, you know, uh, yeah. Very. In my mind, it's very PBS masterpiece theater. Exactly. Yeah. It's It's very tea time. Colonizers. <laughs> it's very colonizer. So, okay. Um. Um. I have. I have started Spare. And Harry um, recognizes when he didn't realize about colonization and such, and and he um, became awakened. Yeah, Harry's like putting in the work that Dr. King said a lot of people weren't. And I just want to salute you too, because you guys put in the work and it is appreciated. (laughs) You're welcome. I gave birth to you. Yeah, but you didn't. It didn't stop there. I mean, you're you're you got also... a compliment in the same sentence as with Harry. I know. Oh my god. Well, it's just because you like like you you went to take us to Malcolm X, and we saw it in a predominantly black theater, and that couldn't have been an easy like it could it would be easier for you like you know you made choices and decisions that probably made you, didn't use the restroom there though. That made you uncomfortable. Because you knew that it was important to teach, like you have black kids, and this is important. They need to know this. And I think everybody should be in that situation at least once in your life, where you are the minority and you mm-hmm. understand 
I'm the, I, you know what? I'm not going to go to the restroom in here. I'm going to wait till we get to a gas station. Everybody should experience that at one time in their life. Okay. Well, you can go. Okay. Well, yeah, I understand the, the sentiment. I don't know about the exact, like, that's, that sounds a little weird, Ma. <laughs> that was me feeling uncomfortable. But, okay. In my skin. Not feeling comfortable. Be- to- yeah, because you would just watch Malcolm X. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, okay, um, I'm gonna, yeah, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't want to be the the one, the white, you know, holding the white people. Like, okay, let's, uh, yeah, yeah, there's no, no doubt about it. Gonna the Homer Simpson meme of just yeah. going. Yeah, I've had more than one of those situations, and it's okay. Yeah, because you knew that it was important for us to have, you know, you didn't Meghan Markle us, <laughs> if I may. <laughs> I mean, she didn't know. Yeah, well, yeah. I, yeah, so, okay. Um, okay. We're going to move on. Yeah, so I just that was just a very problematic way of saying hats off and thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Any other nerd alerts from the group? Mac, any nerd alerts? Oh, okay. None from him. So we are two reheatables, um, bad ones. What do we call that? Oh, worst reheatables. Negative. Negative reheatables. <laughs> I just have Ike. I mean, Ike, Ike needed therapy, you know? Ike needed, and you know what? Tina needed therapy. So she didn't feel like she had to be the savior to Ike all those years. Stick with it. Ike's beetle haircut. Oh, that was hilarious. Oh, God. Poppy had... So bad. Poppy knows a guy who was always on the upper um, edge of whatever was new, and he had a friend who had the beetle haircut, like Ike. <laughs> that the, that the, takes a lot of time. That's a commitment. It does, because you have to get your hair processed. So he processed his hair after he saw what happened to Tina Turner. After wow. he saw all the hair fall out. Well, that didn't have anything to do with him. Yeah. You know? But I remember, only... I remember the moments that my dad laughed at this film, which is very problematic. <laughs> but this was one of them when, when Ike came up with, the, with, the, with his hair. He did bust out laughing at that. Yeah. I actually have a picture of it. Um, Tina's mother, double, what are we calling it now? The, the, the fuck boy of the year. The fuck, the fuck bitch of the year. Oh, the fuck bitch of the year. Because twice, once, she just left her and didn't even say anything about it. Left her in the road because she couldn't handle having two children. And the second time was when she told Ike where Tina was after she finally got out. But that was because she was all about the money. She was all and, about the house he had bought her. And they kind of allude to it in the in the film, like because she was when she came out that she, that she was being beaten by Tina's father. She was like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to let that man beat me anymore. Mm-hmm. And so she was leaving and she could only afford to take one. But she mm-hmm. never contacted her and she never sent for her. Mm-hmm. And like Tina kept mm-hmm. waiting. And in the Tina documentary and her 2019, 18 memoir, Tina 
like she knew in the womb that she wasn't wanted. Like her mom never wanted her. And even after she was famous and like on her own and could make money and stuff, her mom would be like, she would be like, oh, look, I did this. She's like, you did this? You? And she would, oh, and like Tina was like, I just, I just took care of her. Like, like I pretended like she loved me like, you know, a mother's supposed to. And I took care of her. But she never, she never liked to be around me. She never. So you kind of wonder, I don't know, like maybe because she was the husband was abuse or I don't know, father was abusive, and maybe like she, maybe she got raped, and that exactly. Tina was exactly. the you know product the, of rape, right? Yeah, and then the and just the trauma, the Nutbush, Tennessee. He was a sharecropper. The generational trauma that comes down, mm. you know, and nobody's talking about it, and just yeah, sad, hurt people. You know what I couldn't, what I couldn't get over with Oprah's interview was mm. Oprah tried her damnedest to bring Tina down. She'd be like, "So you, so your mother didn't want you, so Ike beat you." Like she was just like, she wanted to make like, her cry. Yeah, she tried her hardest. Yeah. Oprah was doing the Barbara Walters. I was doing the Barbara Walters. I just pulled up Tina Turner, and it says American Swiss singer. Really? She's yeah. I is a Swiss. Uh, I don't know if she's. She might have given up her U.S. citizenship. Can you blame her? Switzerland is a nice place to live if you got the bucks. She's got chateaus. Like she's got a she Tina Turner has she put in her time and she can do whatever. I am of the people can have different opinions on her, but my opinion is the woman has done enough and she can whatever makes her happy. Exactly. She was born in 39. In the USA, in the South, in 39, she saw some shit that had nothing to do with Ike before she even got with Ike. Yep. Yeah, a lot. So that's just, you do you. Whatever makes you happy, Tina. Exactly. She has earned that right. And more, like, just more heartache of recent. Is her son Greg... Took himself out the game in 2018. Oh, oh there can yeah. be. That's and really and just hard. in December, um, the her son with Ike, because she had four sons that she raised. The two were Ikes with Lorraine. She had Craig, whose father was a saxophonist in the Ike band. Mm-hmm. But Ike adopted him. And then she had, I think his name was Raymond, mm-hmm. was her and Ike's biological child. And he, in December, passed away from colon cancer. Oh, wow. I don't know how a parent deals with the loss of a child. I don't. I well, think- so also um, Oprah interviewed her the day before her son's funeral in 2018. Mm-hmm. And... She was like, she, Tina was like, you know, I want to make sure, sh- I'm trying to make sure tomorrow isn't all sad. And she said, you know, it was his decision. He looked at himself in the mirror and he shot himself. So 
That's it was Buddhism. a decision that's was made. Buddhism. Yeah, she was like a decision was made, and I was like, oh, that's a great way. It is. It is. What? No more what I should have, could have done, and don't put it on yourself. Yeah, that's Buddhism. That's all that. But it's also I don't think that she. I think how do I phrase this? I don't giving her background on her how she was raised and her mother. I don't. It's not as if she had a firm blueprint of how to be a great mother. And I don't think that she was probably as uh, nurturing and what. uh, No, I don't think from what I read that they were that all that close either. But and he saw a lot of that. He saw all of those. Like, I feel like as when people. you put up with that much about when you have that much shit happen to you and you put up with that, you find coping mechanisms that yes. you can't, everything that happens can't be the worst thing that's ever happened to you. Exactly. Because, yeah. 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 But I'll say it now. I was going to save it for tasty titties, but she also dealt with a lot of illnesses mm-hmm. like cancer and had to go on dialysis for a while and Oprah's like, what doesn't that just get you down? And she Tina said, I just don't get depressed that easy, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, damn. And she was like, oh, you know what? I like a routine. And I think this is when she was talking about dialysis. She was like, I had to go every day. And so I would go and the first hour I would nap. And the second hour I'd have my book. And the third hour, Irwin would come sit with me and her new husband. She was like, it was kind of nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, like at a certain point she she did what she needed to do for herself and she found Buddhism and she found a way of like in the little that I know of Buddhism, it's about you just accept what is. It's that right. it's the struggle that makes you depressed and it's the struggle against that and it's well what can you control? And if you can't control it, then you just have to surrender to what is. And it's just yeah. dying and it's your a choice. little every day. Yeah. And and by dying it isn't like, oh that it's this just surrender. You just whatever okay. You and it's that happened. Yeah, and you, you yeah. don't struggle with it. It's like, oh, you have this and it, it isn't this fight and this uh of this tension. It's just like, okay, I just keep going. It's just right. And like that kind of thing of like melting away and and the chanting that's done is to just put you in the moment and it's what's wrong with this moment right now and that's what the chanting is because it's like on this frequency and you just say it over and over again and pretty much you're just saying that and you're not thinking about anything else exactly and then then you realize like oh all of this what can i control if i can't control it it's going to be unhappiness what's the point of being unhappy and and it's it's you have to practice it and that and a lot of people that's when they get to it is because they get to a point where they can't go on and she tried to take herself out the game before mm-hmm. so she she knows what that darkness is is like herself and that, I think that's also maybe a way that she could process her son's death is mm-hmm. she knows what it was like and and she's like yeah he just that was that, the answer that was the what time. he decided and. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that I could do about it, you know? You could go back and say, oh, I would have, could have, should have, but right. that's just making you miserable in the exactly. right now. Exactly, exactly. Other negative reheatables? 
Well, luckily, we got to me after I realized I almost started reading the wrong negative reheatables. <laughs> I said, I read something that said viewed on man focus channel. That's, I remember that from something, but not this movie. Mm -hmm. But, and that then the next one said leaving Toby. And I was like, who the fuck was Toby? And that's dog. You're doing a last so, Yeah. <laughs> I went to last year. Um, so my negatives from this year, the storyline, it was terrible. Just the way they put it together. I hated it. It was so choppy. Like, Yeah, it was choppy. Try, I think they tried to fit too much, too much in, in one movie. Because it was like, um, shit. I don't know. She was like, it was her first day in the new town. And the next thing you know, she's on stage. And then she's gaining weight and has a baby. I don't know. I just felt like they tried to like jump around and fit too much in in the beginning. But they okay, yeah. I yeah, I, I okay. I understand I like why. I mean, they mm -hmm. wanted Ike's backstory. They wanted her backstory for why yeah. is she staying with him, and yeah, all of that. Well, then maybe but... it needed to be. I never say this, but maybe it needed to be longer. But it's it's close to two hours, guys. I know yeah, exactly. But it really that's part. I have it as well as a negative reheatable. But then I also contradict myself in my good reheatables. Um, but I the thing. Okay, well, yeah. Personal preference. I didn't mm -hmm. like how it jumped around. There was one thing I can't remember what it is now, but it was one thing where I was like, "Wait, what just happened? Like, how did we get here?" Mm -hmm. Yeah, they did. They condensed their inaccuracies and there are things that they condensed and that they yeah. made happen here when they she shouldn't have. She said that she wished they would have stuck with the book more, but the the pe the, the you know the peeps the higher Disney ups, the Disney it's Disney like, that made this film. We're like, you can't say all that. People are not going to believe that all that shit happened. Yeah, it, it's what and so. that it's a it comes in. It I think it's just under two hours yeah. but which is perfect timing for me but you know it is and it does move i like the clip that it moves because there's never a moment where i felt like the film dragged. right but yeah i do like the, that the inaccuracies and there's some mm -hmm. stories but then when i think about it i'm like well how how would you get that in and still right. have it move at the clip that it moves right. Right. and so that's yeah. that's the problem frame. of I'm like, ah, I guess it should have probably been a, like, we want it to be a four-part limited series. Yeah. You know, like a four-hour limited yeah. series. Yeah. Which but, they could do now, but. In 2022, they would have done it that way, but. Yeah. And Angela Bassett could still play that part. <laughs> yeah. She could, yeah. Um, uh, when I, I was telling Tina that she was using having a baby being an excuse for being exhausted. Yeah. Yes. I'm just trying to get her out postpartum. They say that you take six to eight weeks to heal. And he was trying to get, I mean, that I did read that was an inaccuracy. But he, in the movie, he was trying to get her out like the next day. The and next day. Like, Got to make some money, Tina. Got to make the money. Yeah. Yeah. That whole thing that they, that whole thing, that whole chunk of it is an inact because she was in, that child that I think was born was was Greg. It wasn't right. Ike's. Yeah, that whole they, thing was so it. They, yeah. So they they like had to take that out. They had to make it yeah. his first 
that when she finds out that she's Tina is actually like way darker, way, way darker when she finds out that she her name is Tina Turner is super dark and horrible. Oh, really? Like this film I, saw, is- I read it was before the baby, but I didn't get the Did you read her memoir? No, but I recommend I did a teeny and I listened to a podcast that I, I'm gonna go back and listen to others. You'll like this ma. It's called Podcast Celebrity Book Club with <gasps> Chelsea Devantes. And they did I listened to the 2018 Tina Turner memoir, My Love Story that they did. And this podcast is fascinating because the host, Chelsea Devantes, she brings on, she always, I guess, she, this is the first podcast I've listened to of it, and she always brings on somebody that she knows, and she brought on a friend that she's known since high school, and she went away to, a, a like, a boarding school high school, and she had never told anybody about her history of domestic violence. And on the podcast is the first time, because oh, of reading wow. the book, that she kind of went and like kind of not super detailed, but like went into it. And it was, it was just fascinating to listen to. Um, and so I just listened to them recounting what was in the memoir and got like interesting um, anecdotes and stuff, but it was just fascinating. It was just fascinating on so many levels that because like Tina turned, this story is, Tina told the story in the 80s on, to People Magazine about Ike. And that was the first time I think that people knew mm-hmm. of what ha- of the domestic well, violence. Other than people who actually saw it year yes. after year after year after year. Right. That, the, that the, the public, the general public knew about it. And she told it to People Magazine and was like, oh, that's the end of it. That's I don't need to talk about it. And then the, mo- the book comes out and she's like, OK, I'll talk about it a little bit more just to talk about that's the end of it. Then the movie, and this is what the documentary Tina is so good about because it's her basically saying like, this is like the worst time of my life. And people always want to go back to Ike and ask me about mm-hmm. that time. Mm-hmm. And like she, it's legitimate. Like she was tortured by the man. She has PTSD mm-hmm. and everybody wants to go back and relive and, and ask yeah, her about saw, that. Yeah, I did see and that. And she has to like relive that. And, she, and she's just like, she's like, when the movie came out, she was like, that's it. I don't have to talk about it anymore. I get it. But right. because domestic violence is so... It, it happens so much and so frequently and people don't talk about it that it hides that because of her talking about it, it gives people like the podcast that I listen to her to talk about it. And then people realize how like they're not alone in it right. and that gives people right. strength. So this horrible thing that she just wants to forget about is the thing that people and like predominantly women but it can be all people any people who have suffered at the hands of domestic violence that's their like you saved my life tina turner because i realized that and then it she has legitimate ptsd then she goes back into seeing her being raped by ike turner and she doesn't even call it rape you know like even in her mind because they were married Mm -hmm. she probably doesn't think that what he did rape. was, was rape, but he rape he was raping her, and he, yeah. and the abuse that she it wasn't his hand like in the movie because he was a guitarist he wasn't gonna beat her with his hand he beat oh. her with shoes with hangers, you know because Wire it was hangers 
I don't might have been wooden. I'm sure they were wire. But you know, like that it would so the film is only a tenth of how horrible it really was right. for her. And right. the fact that that's the most painful thing for her is also the thing that makes people have the strength to come out and say, no, I'm a survivor. I had this story. So then that more women hear it and not just women, but more people hear it and they're not alone because that's part of the sinister nature of domestic violence is that you can't tell anybody about it. It's quiet. Don't say anything. Mm-hmm. And it's only happening to you because you deserve it and all of that bullshit And that's what's so fascinating about her story is that she doesn't want to talk about it, but it's the thing that has helped so many people. So many people. So, sorry, I went on that tangent. No, don't don't be sorry. Those are the only two negatives I wrote down. Okay. Back to you. How did Ike see her cavities when she barely opened her mouth? I know. And also, Angela Bassett has fantastic teeth, so I just wasn't buying it. It was I was just like, this is a ploy. Um, I thought that that this was a scene that it was it's a negative reheatable, but it's also great filmmaking. Like Lorraine's whole breakdown, it's like in that one shot where she has the gun, and then you don't see her, and she goes into the bathroom, and then the 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 most heartbreaking thing that I always remember is the little kid running running in. And, yeah. and like, and you don't see it. And then I also thought about the young actors who played the sons. Yes. Like in real life, they're little kids. Like, are they okay? Like they're little I feel kids. Like I thought about that too. And I thought they filmed both of them in a way that they might not have seen. Because when, during the scenes where he was like, where Ike was beating her and dragging her through the house and they show the little kids, they didn't show them in the same scene, exactly. like in the same shot. Right. So I was like, hopefully they made the little kids do their acting separately and not actually see what was happening. I hope. But even anytime I see a kid that little, like, crying like that, it's kind of like, well, how did he... Well, yeah, how'd you get him to cry? Yeah. Because I know that, wait, with Mickey Rooney, with Judy Garland, with one of them, somebody, they said, your dog died, you know, your your pet, mm-hmm. your, your beloved yeah. dog. Yeah, and that's how they got him to cry. Yeah. Yeah, manipulation so. at the wazoo um oh i forgot to mention like with ike turner how they you know they didn't really mention going to like his whole father but also um i think like on the wikipedia page of ike turner it says that he was sexually molested as well oh. like that he was also like raped by women and stuff growing up so but oh. that's no excuse. I'm not saying it as a excuse. No, it's just not. Like to point yeah. out, he needed therapy. The mm-hmm. dude needed therapy, yep. but that wasn't available at that time to okay. him. So Rhonda Graham, because they talk about it, because she's she's in um in the podcast that I listened to. They mention her because, and she's not in the book. Rhonda Graham is a backup singer, and she was a white backup singer, and she she is the person that Tina goes to and lives with when 
it all when she, finally Tina's like I've had Instead enough. Instead of Jackie, Jackie wasn't a real person. Yeah, Jackie was basically Rhonda and a bunch of other people. So Rhonda was a white woman, and it's funny because when they would go to places where a white woman couldn't be with a whole bunch of black people, she, they would have to hide her. So she would have to be like under the bus and like you know all these various places. But then when they were play, when it was in the best interest, Rhonda would be the face of the band. So they mm-hmm. sent Rhonda in. You know, you know, Ma. <laughs> like, this is like what you would do. But they sent Rhonda in to go secure the hotel rooms and stuff. So I remember I didn't know that that was Rhonda, and I remember watching Tina. So I watched the Tina Turner thing. I thought Rhonda Graham was just a very light-skinned black woman, <laughs> and I'm oh. watching the Tina doc, and I'm like, oh snap, she's white. I mm. thought she was just very. She just had that very like, if you see like older but lighter. Uh, complected um, Lena Horne energy to me. Right. Of right. just like where you're like, oh, she's, yeah. So that was hilarious to me, like how she she's not in there. She, so I mentioned that she's the one that Tina goes to live with. Um, and then Tina was like, can you be my manager? So she becomes Tina's manager. One of the first people that Tina, that, that Rhonda calls to book Tina on when she was um, got divorced and separated and needed to make her own money because when Tina left Ike, she was in debt because there were a whole bunch of shows that she, you know, that she was on the hook for. So she Mm -hmm. had to make money called the share show to get Tina on and Tina and Cher became lifelong friends because they had very similar similarity. Cause remember Cher was with Sonny. Yeah. And so they were like, oh, we're two women who, you know, had these men controlling us and now we're on our own. And so then they became friends and Cher was the one that introduced her to Bob Mackie and Bob Mackie, like all those like awesome Tina Turner costumes and dresses that's Bob Mackie. Thanks to Cher. Oh, Oh. I like that. And sadly, Rhonda passed away last year. So, um, Disney wanted to make a film about a woman who was the victim of a con man. And Tina Turner was like, how weak and how shallow. She was like, I was the victim for a short while, but I was always thinking. So see, I do had pride. So she, it's interesting because she, there's stories of her doing Angela Bassett's makeup. And she also recorded, she did the vocals on this, like the singing is Tina Turner. Mm -hmm. So she recorded like the stuff with Ike and Tina Turner, like all of it that you hear in the movie is hers. And I think it's hilarious that the album that is really the soundtrack, but it's a Tina Turner album because yeah, she did fucking sing on it. It doesn't have anything. It's called what's love got to do with it, but it's a picture of her. It's not, it doesn't have anything to do with like original soundtrack or anything like that. So I'm like, you awesome Tina Turner. So she, I think she was kind of like, all right, they're gonna, this is the story that they're going to tell. But then it's also like that thing of like, I didn't, I didn't think of, that she was a victim of a con man. Like, that's not what my takeaway no, from the film I don't was. I feel like he was a con man. I feel like he was, he saw talent when he saw it, and he was into um, promoting his band and promoting his brand and and promoting her as long as she was bringing in money for him. I didn't yeah. see him and as I a con saw, man. And I saw her as this woman who was somebody who was left as a child, didn't have that love, so was always looking for somebody to love, to feel worthy, to feel beautiful, to feel pretty, to feel like you are enough. 
and that she was always trying to look for that and that also had this amazing talent and then realized and eventually was like haha no i'm i always thought it was like this redemption story this like let me tell you what i went through so you don't have to as right. a as a 12 year old you know like let me show you where it went wrong with for me so that you don't make these same mistakes but i also didn't live that so i can see how you know, she would have different issues with it. And like Teeny said, of just the choppiness and what they changed and all mm-hmm, that. So mm-hmm. also I have the inaccuracies. There's a scene dated from nineteen sixty eight where they're opening with the Rolling Stones, which they also don't even show how Tina Turner taught Mick Jagger how to dance. Well, uh, Mick Jagger and he always gave her credit. Yeah, because Mick Jagger the Rolling Stones were always a, like about no, this is who we got this from. Right, we right. Didn't, like they didn't want to be a rock band. They're like we're an R and B band. We do R and B. Right. Um, but it's but dated. his strut, his strut is oh yeah, straight Tina Turner. Uh, it's dated 1968, opening for the Stones. But Proud Mary. So John Fogerty of Creedence Clearwater Revival wrote Proud Mary. Uh-huh. That wasn't released until 1969, and Ike and Tina Turner didn't release it their cover until 1971. So, That's yeah. what I thought. Yeah. And we've already talked about how her story, like she doesn't like to talk about it, but it's just that the the tail eating it. And, and I feel like she, she has to work through it. But luckily, like Buddhist Buddhism mm-hmm. has helped her through it because it, it just sucks that she has to be triggered in order to like help so many people. Mm-hmm. But so there we have it. But you know what? She's living in Switzerland with someone who loves her that works and the the relationship works. So bravo, Tina. Mm. I wouldn't mind living in Switzerland. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we are to positive reheatables. My first one is Angela Bassett's arms. Yeah. I believe oh, do you want to hear her workout routine. Yes, now? I do. Oh, that's my M- that's my an honorable mention MVP is Angela Bassett's arms. Yeah, yeah, they have stuck with me. They have. <laughs> well, there was an uh, article in the Chicago Tribune in 1993, but it made me mad because the trainer at first said she was a little big when she came to us, but I like maybe they just meant big for the role, but probably not. How um, dare they? Yeah. She was tiny. Yeah. So she trained one and a half to two hours a day. I did like that. They said that they were working smarter, not harder. So I mean, okay. one and a half to two hours isn't that much. Right. I mean, like, it's more than the average person can do. Oh, it's it's way six more days than a week. I work out. So she would do 20 minutes on the Stairmaster. And then do a mixture of free weights and work on the machines. She had to do a lot of work on her legs. Like mm-hmm. her legs were the part that wasn't ready. Really? To get Tina Turner's yeah, legs. Oh my Tina... God. Because Tina Turner's legs, if, watch the yeah. document. They, weren't those insured for over a million dollars? Like her legs oh. are fantastic. It, it seems like Angela Bassett has like, I mean, because her arms still look like that now. Exactly. Like I think that's just part of her physique. She, yeah, my. I think I think she just. It seems to me like she has one of the the natural genes where she just needed to basically cut out sugar and carbs, 
mm-hmm. and then just do a stairmaster, and her arms were just gonna go papa, and her back. Did you see her back? Like one time when she was walking down the stairs, I was like, oh. you know what, Teeny? Her back looked like yours in the wedding in your in wedding. In the dress. wedding pictures, oh. exactly. Your back, phenomenal. Mm. Well, and then she finished with ten to fifteen minutes on the stairmaster. She didn't cut things out. She like was eating because that that was the problem when she started. She was on like a calorie deficit. She wasn't eating mm. enough. So, I mean, common misconception to gain muscle, it's less about cutting things out and more about adding things in. So you had to, she drank, had to drink a lot of protein drinks because she needed more protein because that's the only way you're going to get all that muscle is if you mm-hmm. eat a lot of protein. Took beef liver, ginseng, antioxidants, vitamins, and mineral supplements. Okay. As long as I can do that in a pill, not actually have to eat liver. Yeah, yeah it, could, there's a pill for that. Did Disney pay for it? I'm guessing Disney paid for all this. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, that's, I was sure that was her only focus for the 30 days leading up to it. Yeah, but it's still imp- it's still damn impressive. It was. Mm-hmm. Well done. That was your uh, only one. Uh, 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 oh no 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 no! Uh, that voice. Nobody has that voice. And I did not come up with the term pyrotechnic. I mean, that's just perfect. Um, I thought of Adam every time I saw a new Cadillac (laughs) in the film. And I did spot a Louis Vuitton piece of luggage. But she paid dearly for that Louis Vuitton piece of luggage. Those were my positives. Others? I have little girl Tina. Would you say was her name? Oh, she was so good. Um, it is Raven Lamore, Larry Moore Kelly. Yeah. Okay. She was great. Um, when they first were showing Ike on tour or performing, and the girls were all coming up on stage to sing with them. The one girl who kept she, she was kept screaming. Yeah, she, she was, was really good. good. I like her. Yeah. Um, the I wrote this and then it ended terribly. But the drunk acting from Lorraine I thought was really good. She yeah, she, she was, really was the good. a lot of people cannot do a drunk actor yeah. when they are not inebriated. It's um. Too- over and it was just good foreshadowing because it was like, this is what's going to happen to her. And that's exactly. And it's exactly what happened to Tina. Exactly. I also have Angela Bassett's arms. Um, the round bed. Oh, I love a round I bed. I thought of you. <laughs> that's for you know, real, though. That Kirby was re- furniture is in now. That's yes. The year of Kirby furniture. Yes. But- so I just love a round bed. I love round furniture. I like round edges. Well, those uh, that was that that house was their actual house, and that furniture was the actual furniture with, that was in there when they filmed. Speaking of actual houses, this is going off topic. Has anyone heard the new Miley Cyrus song and what's behind it? Yes, I the flower song, right? Have you? Yeah, did you hear about it? I, I, I heard the song, and I'm well, guessing that it's because their house burned down in the fires. Uh, I don't know anything about that. Um, <laughs> uh, but 
So, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Okay, so she was married to Liam Neeson, right? Neeson? No, Helmsworth, guys. Helmsworth. Okay. And I so she him. was married. I saw both of them one <laughs> No, time. Liam Neeson's the one from those other movies. Yeah, but we Taken. like him. He's from Taken. No, nothing. Didn't bad you about see Liam them at the counter? <laughs> yeah, I saw Liam and, and Miley one okay. time at the counter. No, or it wasn't the counter. She was married to Liam Helmsworth. Yes. Right. Which nobody really knows what he does anyway. He, I do. You, I have pretty. to say, no, but in real life, he he just looked like he like he wasn't unattractive, but he looked surprisingly average. Because if you, sometimes if you run into like people like celebrities and stuff, some people have like this just natural sheen about them. Like Miley had that sheen about her, and she was trying to be like you know hidden and and stuff, but she was still not completely hidden or anything and you're like oh that's Miley Cyrus and he just looked like a random dude he didn't he yeah. didn't have well, that okay well so this whole music video is basically a dig at Liam Helmsworth because apparently oh oh okay that's the home that burned down mm-hmm well, it's also apparently where he cheated on her with like 14 <gasps> women with. 14. Wow. And wow. Um, That's not just a bad She line. also in the video she's wearing a suit. And I saw something about it. it's like a suit like he wore when they were at some awards party or some thing and he told her to behave. Oh. Um, Oh yeah, it's basically just the whole music video is a dig at. Um, oh, because I only listened to the song. I haven't seen the video, but like oh. the song, the first lyric is you're like, oh, this is what this song is about, because it references the house burning down, and I'm like, oh, okay, this is a real life banger here. Oh, and okay. so it, you can hear like the references to the Bruno Mars song. That's what I, uh, wait, I just clicked on yeah, that. It sounds, and then apparently Hemsworth once dedicated the Bruno Mars song, When I Was Your Man, and sang it to, or to Miley Cyrus. And so she did like references to it to do even more of like a dig to him. I will say it, I like the song and I didn't notice too. It, it's disco-esque and I, mm -hmm. I, I, I dig it. Also though, that's, brought up to bring it into the whole cast of that remember and that's part of the segregation of rock and roll music is when they burned all the disco sucks because disco is associated with black and also exactly. lgbtq you know that whole thing and that like it it was a calculated on purpose attack to segregate rock music right kick black people out of it and there he goes just about it and space funk has been <laughs> okay and then when she threw the water in the in ike's face also i have to say i'm kind of this is, should have been on my negative reheatables kind of disappointed in the eat the cake anime scene because i have heard that line repeated thousands of times uh, and in our it own wasn't house even, yeah 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 which also okay he's on a fine line the one that lives <laughs> in your house that's now right. that I see the context, but that's right. It is so 
nothing like that. It's barely even said in the movie. I rewounded and watched it three different times to be like, why did everybody, this is the line everyone got from this? Oh, man. Yeah, well, he does pick up on things. There are things, so there was the... (laughs) Because, you know, the other man that repeats this is Kanye. Oh, Oh, fuck. Yeah, tell him that. Yeah. Oh, it's it's tough it's (laughs) yeah we'll get to another one in quotables that's tough because they're like oh but you know what else i guess is a negative so i'm looking on i learn a lot from tiktok and it's a fun place to be and one of the things people do on tiktok is like lip sync scenes from movies and things like that and it's silly people are silly and like one person will do both parts and then to so, to show that they're playing it'll, it'll be like a man and to show they're playing like a female or like a woman they'll put like a towel over their head over their heads so right like hair it, yeah, and things yes, like that, that. they got funny. that from Whoopi goldberg yeah 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 so they're so it's funny, but when I was looking up, I was like searching a bunch of different things, and there's so many people that are like redoing scenes from this movie between Ike and Tina and like crossing the line, I feel like with some of the like put just joking about like having her face putting making makeup so their face looks all beat up and okay, mm-hmm. this is that's a negative reheatable. Yeah, it is. It's, that is. It's yeah, because like it comes from a place of privilege because when I was listening to that podcast I realized like oh we in like and this was told to like within our fan like this was a, a family thing this wasn't for outside consumption you know like it was like other people like this is <laughs> like the eat some cake you know like that oh. kind of thing oh my god we yeah. no, we never took that out of because that. you never took it because there are people who that's not that's it, it's yeah, funny. and now it, it comes for, for everyone. Yeah, yeah, and and like and I mean, joking it, 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 around about beatings and stuff in our family because yeah. my dad, I never he's never hit my mother. He's never hit me. He's never hit my brother. Like he's not a violent man. There isn't domestic violence in the house. If there was domestic violence in the house, it like they wouldn't be joking about it. And we don't joke about it. For, like the a fist, like you know, like uh instead of saying like, "Hey, I love you," we're like, "Hey, here's this fist," yeah. and that's for us because, and it we're privileged because we don't have that that baggage. Yeah. Like the woman who on that podcast, that would not would no, we'd be getting canceled. How dare you? That is not funny. That is, and I I understand all of that, and all of those things can be true at the same time. But right. in our family. Mm-hmm. That I mean, we have like that's we laugh at shit that other people will not laugh at, and that's we why I am indeed. not on social media. Because that's do how indeed. that's how I deal with with but stress somehow and it's trauma. Also, that whole scene has become a meme. It's on my yeah. list for me for me worthy moment, not because it's a good thing, but but yeah. so I but I had never seen it, and I didn't know she threw a glass of water in his face. So props to that. Um. Proud Mary performance. I had to rewind it and watch it again. And then Jackie's house. I love Jackie's house. The plants, the artwork. She had a great house. I know. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, how do I not have the theatrical poster for this film? How it's white with just the black outline and yeah. the red lips. Oh, chef's kiss. How do you not have that of all the movie posters I have downstairs? Not all of them. You have Rushmore and Charlie's Angels <laughs> and Fight Club. Yeah, I, I feel like, man, just, I just all missed I the have boat. Okay. Maybe a few. Like the ones that were... Um, framed yes oh the moment i knew that i would love this film forever took place very early on with little with a little anime doing the shoulder pump because that is my that is my go-to dance move is the shoulder pumping and then she's singing this little light of mine which is one of my all-time favorite songs and And how can you not totally get into that and then how she gets into it and then when she's thrown out and being let out by the ear she's still just like yeah that's right yeah my dad were howling at this scene and then my favorite part probably of all of that with the shoulder and all of that is when she gets out and they throw her out and before the door shuts she turns around and it's just just going full out while the door gets slammed in her face i was like ah i love this i know this film is probably going to be inaccurate but i will love this film forever because of that i feel like if she were in grandmommy's church down in the country she would have been like the star wouldn't they have totally encompassed her and let her do her thing? Cause there was some off-key singing in there. So. I don't know. I don't know. It, I think it's how the wind blows. It's, well, it's true. It's who's the I director. And, yeah, and, there's yeah. a lot of politics that goes on. Yeah. I Okay, so earlier when you were talking about the, the film and how it was clunky and stuff, I do have to say that I enjoyed the, especially in the beginning, the filmmaking economy, how we come in, we see she lives in the country, we see she sings, we sings, we see that her, we hear that her father beat her mother and that her mother's leaving with her sister. Her, she just takes her sister, her grandma's there, takes her with a bag and takes her on a horse. So this is like, we're getting a picture of, you know, not super well off and in the country, and that she only goes to live with her mother when her grandmother dies and her mother doesn't even come to the funeral. Right. So I just felt that there was a lot of things that that they did, and I'm contradicting my negatives here to be like, but they are making a film, and it did have to be in a certain amount of time, and filmmaking is, a lot of it is just choices, but it's still wild because there are a lot of of stories though that you would hear in the inaccuracies that are like, but that would have been a great scene. Like at one point, Tina Turner, like something Ike does something and and she Tina Turner's laid up. May have been when she was pregnant, and he goes on the road or something, and it's with a sex worker, and then Tina confronts the sex worker and they fight. <laughs> Like there are just these stories that mm-hmm. are in the book, but then you also I also wonder what in 2018 was she willing to for, from her 20 years of Buddhism and therapy to talk about versus in 1986 exactly. when she was still in the midst of being a star and selling things. So right. it, it's it's and dealing with all that trauma. 
Yeah, exactly. And working through it and processing it. And no one's ever, oh, um, like, especially people who have tra- traumatic things. Like, I don't want to say the word victim, but um, that, that that's happened to you. You aren't a very reliable witness because of the things that your mind does to preserve your own self. Right. So, uh, and, and it just, in general, nobody is really a reliable, like everything is people's point of view and stuff and time taking over and like memories are just very unreliable in general. So I, but I did like how this movie, there was never a part of it where I'm just like, oh, this drag, this drag. Not it's at just, all. It never I watched dragged. it twice. I put it on because I wanted to see if they went in the front door of the diner or in the back door. Mm-hmm. And I just kept watching it. And before you know it, it's it's done. She's singing What's Love Got to Do With It. So it's not a completely accurate thing, but I feel like you got to watch it for Angela Bassett. And it, I think that then there are choices that are made that I'm like, they had to, because they had to get her from, they yeah. had to move it along. Yeah. But I feel like they economically did her early childhood to show yeah. why she would stay with him very fast. You know, when, when uh, last week, Poppy and I were in a place and we had to talk to the, the host who seated us about where he seated us. I thought, should I have gone into the past and said, you know, there was there was a time when he had to get his carry out from the back door. He wasn't allowed, you know, did I need to go into that and explain? Because this dude had no idea that that had actually happened in the past. So, I yeah. don't know. You just have to, like, sometimes you just have to read the room and be the economy of just, yeah, like, it, like and that's like with work, I was reading a thing about emails and it's just like, sometimes you, you, it's best to just get to the point. And if mm. there's more that needs to be discussed, then you take it offline, that kind of thing. Exactly. An- exactly. Angela Bassett's lip quiver. Exactly. Mm. How she got that lip quiver down, how she got the, I mean, not everybody can do the rolling on the river thing with that. Hey, hey, Teenie. If you ever want to do some cardio, do do the, yeah. the Tina Turner rolling on the like proud Mary dance. That well, is straight up cardio. Well, that's why I was like looking at how long it takes to recover from having a baby because she was on that fucking stage with her legs spread, and all I could think of was like, oh my god, her bits must hurt so bad right now. Exactly. And who knows? Maybe that was 20 years down the line. This movie was how the way this movie was going. But in my <laughs> mind, it happened right after she came first. Well, she did get on stage right away. I mean, like, you know, her insides movie. felt like they were on the outside. Oh, my God, because they were. <laughs> I mean, that all came out. And I'm going, are we going to see blood running down her leg? That's I mean, what I, I thought. Really yeah. I really did. Yeah, she must have had some good. Um... And that's like a workout. And then I Googled how long before working out after having a baby. And some people say after a few days. Well, so. it depends on how in shape you are before. And you're not going to be and, doing that. And I think it also depends on the actual child, the actual labor. The delivery. I know. I yeah. know. I'm just kidding. I yeah. know. There's no... uh, exactly. But no, I thought we were going to see blood running down her legs too. I really did. I really did. 
That would have been a little bit more impactful. Yeah, I deserve that. But then I could go, well done, Tina. You you took one for the team. There we go. Well, Tina, she probably, it was just, she like just patted everything all up, slapped it. Oh, yeah. I will not let Ike see this. You know, like I will not, I will. And also like, we haven't really talked about it, but like Tina Turner, her greatest gift besides enduring torture and surviving is that she is an amazing performer. Well, she that's was what born she to said. Perform. Put She's me on stage, performer. I'm going to be fine. Yeah, yeah, so she was probably, her insides were probably like, zoop, this is what we do. <laughs> In that crazy, weird way. Um, I remember when I saw this, when I was 12, at the beach with bad speakers, that thinking that Lawrence Fishburne was was very was too thick to be like that he captured Ike's essence, but right. that he didn't look anything like Ike. Ike and was very skinny. Is he still around? Is Ike with No, us? Ike died in two thousand seven. But okay. um, and I remember that he was that Larry Fishburne was like, oh, he's too bulky and stuff. But then when I rewatch this now, I'm like, oh my gosh, Larry Fishburne was really skinny. He was. He, he really was. He's not now. He's not as skinny as as Ike was because Ike was on that narcotic. But he. Um. It's just a a weird thing of remembering of like oh and mm-hmm. and also how like time and age. I'm used to seeing him now with his much fuller face because he's mm-hmm. gotten older. And so now seeing him, I'm like oh my god, he was really thin. But at the time, I didn't think he was that thin. And it happens a lot with movies that we do where I'll see an actor and I remember seeing the film and thinking that they look old and then seeing it now and knowing what they look like now or older and being like, Oh my God, they were really, they were so young then. I can't believe I thought they were looked old. Yeah. Yeah. And then my final one is just when Tina in that Dallas limo was like, and not today, not anymore. And just went and just started wailing back and fought exactly. back. Exactly. Fought back. Now, is this is this a memory I really had or one that I wish I had? In that, didn't the the theater kind of cheer? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Everybody cheered, and then That's when what they I thought. everyone cheered in the theater, and then when they walk into the to the lobby, all like she comes in with her glasses, and yeah. then when Ike comes in, there was the one person who cackled at Ike all disheveled and beat up with and blood was, everywhere that yep. was my dad who when yep. I came in all busted up just was just laughing it was just like ha ha look at him yeah what you get luckily he laughs at that in films and he doesn't bring that home so we are to quotables and one of my faves is Anime, don't you be getting any ideas around here. I'm the only sinner in this house. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Spoken and like when, a true ma. <laughs> when Lorraine says to her, you ain't even worth the bullet. Thank God. But mm-hmm. also, but then that just cut, because that's what she thought of herself. Yes. So it's it just cuts yes. so deep that, it's like, even so this bad. woman is like, I won't even waste this bullet on you. And that just goes to one of her biggest insecurities. Then when her mother dares to say, 
don't forget who helped you out. Really? It, but my favorite is Mrs. Turner will retain the use of her stage name. Which I was so glad they went into that because as I was watching this, I was like, you know what? I wonder, does she like the name Tina? Does she, would she rather go by anime? And so I was glad they did that because that solved, it answered my question. Mm-hmm. I don't think, I don't know that she cared about, but, but it was the name that would get her recognized to be able to further her. Yeah. Yeah. Independent. She, and career. now she had to right. make all of all right. her money. And was, she did. I mean, she yeah. did. She mm-hmm. came out on the other end of it. Mm-hmm. It like she reclaimed it. She it was basically like the lotus. You know, the lotus blossom. She and in exactly. in Buddhism taking poison and turning it into medicine. Like that was because she was beaten the night that she was christened Tina Turner. And the whole reason that she was named Tina Turner was because of like what had happened with Rocket 88 and other people. And he, Ike was like, if I change her name, he trademarked it mm-hmm. so that it was Ike and Tina Turner. So she couldn't go anywhere without him because that was exactly. his name. And that's why she was like, I don't want anything. And that's what I have except my name. And that, that's, that's right. a meme worthy of it. I love the way that Angela mm-hmm. Bassett delivers that. As she's just sitting back in her white suit. She was like, except my name. You have it. And I worked too hard for it, Your Honor. She does her head thing. And you're mm-hmm. just like, yeah. Because that was like, yeah, you can have all of that stuff. But she gets the name. And now it's hers. She reclaims it. It's all hers. And... For the, the, I love the, just in the movie how she re she re-recorded the Ike and Tina Turner stuff so that now people like I do like that song Fool in Love. It's on there and it's like she gets it. It's yeah. her publishing. It's Larry Fishburne doing the Ike parts. And you can't tell because that's go okay, I Because he did the he did the real signaling for Ike's parts. Yeah, he did it. So it's on Fool in Love, it's Tina Turner. And Larry Lawrence Fishburne doing the Ike parts. As opposed to if you go and you get, like... Like, I have CD... Like, Evan gave me this cool, like, Ike and Tina Turner story thing. And so that has, like, him on it. But I just prefer... (laughs) Just my spiteful ass is like, I prefer this. Because this is what Tina wanted. And she re-recorded it. And I I like it. Exactly. Other quotables? I have... You want a drink? Yeah, I want a drink. <laughs> and the only other one I wrote, which probably isn't a great, re- a good reheatable, but you got her screaming like a man now. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I did, I did help develop the sound that Tina made the the pyrotechnic voice. Yeah, he unlocked it. He he was like, oh, oh this he is- did. I didn't hear you say Ike. I thought you said you. I thought you said I did help. (laughs) I did. That was me. Me and Tina. (laughs) She wrote me and Tina. The Tina Turner story. I have, this is from her mom, and it's just a wow. Now, don't think you're going to come live in my house and make me feel bad. Yes. Well, true, though. This woman... Not, I know, like, but she's a piece of shit. But you know, yeah, I get it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Wow. Good to know. Noted. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck boy, bitch. 
<laughs> um, when I this is what I say, it's like you got your own particular way to get a song out, you. It's unique, and I said like there are not that many artists. Unless you're, if you're a super fan of somebody, you can hear there and be like, oh, that's, I think that's so-and-so. I've never heard this song. But you got Aretha Franklin. I can hear a song I've never heard before and be like, that's Aretha Franklin. Um, Tina Turner, where you're just like, that's, T-, like, it's Tina Turner. That's why I'm, I'm so curious about this Tina Turner musical, because I'm like, what's she sound like? Does she yeah, sound like Tina gonna, Turner? Is- what? They're going to sing Tina, because not everybody can do that. Very few people can do that. Maybe only Tina Turner can do that. I've never heard she it before. She loves it. Did you hear she loves it? She loves the music. Okay, she said That's she walked good. in, and she said she walked in, and she thought, I wish, she was like, the thing I thought was, I wish my mom and Ike could see this. Oh. Wow. And so my girl That's Oprah it. was like, well, your mom didn't want you, and I beat you so. And she was like, basically, like, yeah, they never thought that anything I did was because of I, I did it. Like, neither of them ever thought that I did any. Like, they didn't right. think I was creative enough. She was like, even when I was like, when my mom came over to stay with us, and I was like, all right, mom, I'm gonna go decorate the country house. Like, even her mom didn't think she was like a good decorator, or like, like. So I think she just was like, yeah, I want it, like, I want them to see this as like a fuck you. Like, this is all my, this is all about yes. me. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Right, it's, it's coming to LA in June. I'm going to get tickets. I'm gonna you get have tickets. to. I'm going to go see it. You have to. Oh. I don't know. We might have to come see you and do it with you. Well, let me know, because I'm going to get tickets soon. So let me know. Um, When she said, oh, your daddy's rich and your mama's good looking, that... Is from Summertime by George Gershwin. It is indeed. In Porgy and Bess. Oh my yes, god. Oh my yeah. god. Not that we will ever be able to see Porgy and Bess, but But I always liked I mean my daddy wasn't rich, but my mom is good looking, so I always I was I always like that. Um I like when Jackie in the in the cake scene, I just love the way that Vanessa Bell Calloway was just like, Fuck you, Ike. Exactly. <laughs> I've had it. I'm done. I'm out. We we have to include you want some cake just because that's that's famous. Yeah, eat the cake anime. It's got to be a quote. It had. I mean, it. You want if some nothing cake? Nothing else in the Bush like, household. No. Yeah. Anytime you see cake, it's like you want some cake. Eat the cake. But you know what? I have a different take on this. No. A different way to because at the end it wasn't. What's the guy's? What's his friend's name? The other guy that was there. It was Frost. Like Frost. Shy, Shy, Shy McBride is the actor. Yeah. Frost. Frost. Was like, he was like, just eat the cake. He was like, Please. eat the cake anime. Like, yeah. just, like, just yeah. fucking do it. I remember one time it was if Adam's. It's something you don't want to do. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was Adam's like, graduation from college. And we were in Richmond. And we were at Maggiano's where Adam got us a table ahead of a lot of people. And at the very end, I wanted some sorbet. Remember? No. And um, some. So I just said, "Do you have lemon sorbet?" I don't remember if they did or not, but Grandmommy was like, "Sorbet, sorbet." And Adam looked at me like, "Don't take the bait." 
just don't do it. That's the same moment. You know, it's like, okay, I won't take the bait. I won't get into it. <sighs> take a deep breath, you know? Oh, nice. No, I was probably too busy crying. Because I well, surprised true. him. I'm here. Oh, it's so emotional. So, who knows? Um, listen to the story. I think that the, the, I think starting 2023, that's my new thing. Everybody says, let's go on podcasts. I think I like that because as every now and then, you might like to see, like the whole intro of Proud Mary. I always have to do it because my favorite part is, but we never ever do nothing. Do anything. Nice. Nice. And, and easy. So we gotta think about this song. <laughs> I just, I just love the whole nice. thing. Oh, I get, I get so and pumped rough. up. Yeah, I get, I get so pumped. Um, what the problem is, <laughs> man, the amount of times <laughs> I've heard what the problem is <laughs> in the house. Oh man, just that was just that was the quote. He latched onto the cake and the what the problem is. It's for thirty years we've been hearing that. Um, yes, and then and I kept like. I didn't give up that narcotic. <laughs> yeah, there was too much narcotic. Oh, he had so much of that narcotic. Actually, he didn't give up that narcotic because that narcotic is what killed him. No, he he was never going to give up that narcotic. Yeah, no, he relapsed in 2007 and that narcotic yeah. killed him. So there you go, Ike. Um, When uh, Vanessa Bill Calloway's character is like, you're a dead woman if you stay here. It's just right. And then she's like, fuck you, Ike. And she's like, you're a dead woman if you stay here. That's right. <laughs> it's just like, there's there's a reason why it's so, like, people like reenact it. And, because it is, it yeah. is a biopic and it is traumatic and it is, but at the same time, it, there's like trauma behind it. So I get both things can be true. Both things can be true. Um, And then I already said, except my name. Well, oh, I love that when she's like, except my name. Mm-hmm. Every time I said, sometimes I just like, except my name. I just, I just that's just one of those things that's always in my background except my name you take everything you want except my name so those are my quotables okay LVP I say abuse okay I said my runner up LVP is Amazon Prime's Rewind feature it's oh. terrible to be a company like Amazon their Amazon video is absolutely awful. And the oh, Rewind really? feature, like, it took me so long just to watch the primary thing again. Oh, oh so my We watched gosh. it on Apple. Yeah. Well, it must okay. be nice. <laughs> and my LVP is, like, get out of here. Yeah. yeah. Fuck boy yeah. of the year. I already have an, an answer. Exactly. Yeah. He he is is mine as well. So I just have the honorable mention is Phil Spector. Um, in case mm-hmm. you don't know, Phil Spector was the white guy that produced River Deep Mountain High. Now, I have a confession to make. I think that Phil Spector is an awful human being, a piece of shit, and all of that. But you know that song, Christmas. Da, 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 da. Christmas, the snow coming down. That, oh, yeah. That, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a Phil Spector joy. Like, Phil Spector oh, is wow. one of my favorite musical producers. He was famous for what's called the Wall of Sound. I love the way that things that he produced sounded, but 
I think he's a piece of shit. So we were talking about like earlier, like who you're going to cancel. I'm not going to, I will still listen to Christmas because of Darlene Love. I'll still listen to River right. Deep, Mountain High because of Tina Turner. Right. I'll still listen to um, like uh, Ronnie Spector stuff that, that he did, like the stuff that he produced because other people were involved in it. But he's a piece of shit. He um, was a murderer. Uh-huh. And in 2007 at Ike's funeral, he said, now, keep in mind, he paid Ike a ton of money because he didn't want Ike anywhere near the studio in River Deep Mountain High. He just wanted Tina Turner. Yeah. But yet, at, at Ike's 2007 funeral, this fuckboy said that Ike made Tina the jewel that she was. When Phil Spector mm. saw Ike in the 90s, there were at least five Tina Turners on stage, and any one of them could have been Tina Turner. Oh, he fuck s- him. He oh. said that Oprah made Tina's book a bestseller and that the book was a piece of trash and it vilified Ike. Phil Spector died in prison in 2021. And he was in prison because he murdered Lana Clarkson in 2003. He shot that woman in her face. So fuck you, Phil Spector. This film actually has two fuck boy of the years. And what fuck bitch. And what fuck bitch. Mm Mm-hmm. So he, I just had to, I couldn't let it slide, even though, God damn, I love River Deep Mountain. I like, I just love, I love the wall of sound, but fuck him. He's still a fuck boy. I can, ha- I can have both in my mind. You can. I can have both. You can, because he's a fuck boy. Mm-hmm. Okay. MVP, Angela Bassett, hands down. Angela, well, I mean, Tina too, mm-hmm. but if we're doing the movie, Angela Bassett. Yeah, she was so good in this. My runner-up is Tina Turner calling Ike ugly all the time. But <laughs> my, I think my MVP is the ending when they show Angela Bassett performing and then show Tina Turner because I thought that that's yes. what I think. They're both my MVPs. It showed how great of a job she did, and I thought it was the perfect way to end it. I agree. So I good. agree. I really... Yeah, I wanted to see her. I wanted to see the actual her. And then you saw, oh my God, what Angela Bassett did with that role. Mm-hmm. Well mm-hmm. done. Angela Bassett's in the Tina documentary. Like they have, like she's in. Ah. I, I highly recommend it because it, it talks about the movie as well. Um, I have honorable mention the Dallas Ramada in guy for taking it in Tina Turner. Yeah. Uh, you know, because oh, yeah, she, that was 36 like, cents and a mobile credit card. But she was like, I promise you, I will pay you back. And he was like, that's okay. And, and he had this crazy Texas, like, sequined cactus No, blazer. that was the 70s. Poppy had one. Ew, like a wild. suede one. Yeah. A, yeah. Mm-hmm. But then... You're, then I'm also going like, well, why did he call the police? But then because of cast, I'm like, well, damn, I guess, like, no. Yeah, good thing you, you know? didn't call the police. Like, Exactly. And that's, that's a part of cast too with domestic violence. You're getting beat. If you're a person of color, oh, you're supposed to call the police on this, on this person. Like you don't, but then the police could kill him right? or her or whoever's abusing right. you if there's a person of color. So right. that, that just is an added thing because that, that hit me when I was watching this. I was like, oh, you see this woman and you're not going to be like, oh, do you want me to call the police or anything? But then I was like, wait, no, maybe it's Dallas. Uh, 
So I just think that that's really sad and an interesting thing that that some people don't have to think about calling the police and exactly. when to call the police and that kind of exactly. thing. Exactly. Another honorable mention, Teeny had it in her best rehearsals, but my God, it's it's meme worthy. It's one of my favorite things in the world. It makes my heart so happy that Tina had the that Teeny rewound it. In Proud Mary, when the lights go out after the, the we do things easy mm-hmm. and then it comes back up and it, she's doing the dance and it's the gold fringe is going all crazy that's so good oh, and that I... was probably a bob mackie gown and that was one of tina's originals that she let angela bassett wear for the movie because in the tina documentary mm-hmm. you see her wearing i was like oh my gosh that's exactly the same dress that she was wearing and just how the lights come up and and how it's moving oh my gosh just, oh yeah that was an amazing dress it just, i did see them in concert one time what i did i did see them in concert and i don't remember where it was and i wasn't with poppy so I maybe don't... you were going to because they opened for the Stones. The Rolling Stones had BB King and Ike and Tina Turner open yeah, for them. If only, but I might have been in Lexington. I don't remember. You but don't be I in did... Lexington without my dad. I because I think he was out in L.A. at the time. Oh, and I remember oh. thinking, oh my God, he's out there with the Ikeettes. How can I compete with that? Yeah, I do remember that. (laughs) You're lucky you made it. Oh, yeah. Well, because he came back and he was like, look, if you want to do, like, it's out. Because I was always like, well, like, why didn't you do that? And he was just like, I didn't like the lifestyle that those people led. Yeah. I didn't want to do that. I just wanted to play music, but there's a whole bunch of, there's like the whole lifestyle that. Yeah. Nah. Yeah, he wasn't comfortable with Thank God, because I'm going, how can I compete with Tina Turner and the I Gets? And I didn't have to. Well, because he had a commitment to the Army. And <laughs> um, thank God he had a level head. That's all I got to say. I know, for real, though. Yeah, because you wouldn't be around. I know where I Adam wouldn't be around for Tini to have married him, so I mean uh, these all these what ifs. My next honorable mention is Angela Bassett's arms. Yes. Man, I, we already mentioned it. She had one month to prepare. She got a CMPE class, LOL. This is one of the most athletic performances. Just that run in Dallas when she's running in the white pantsuit yeah. with the heels. I was just like, my God, Bassett. Yeah. My God. And then my real MVP. And may I say, in Dallas at that time, there would nobody had a problem with running over a, a black woman at that time. So I'm just saying. I mean, that was real. Like Tina Turner said that she went the back way and ran through um, the highway and stuff. Right. And just saw like she was like she mentions it in the doc of just a huge just seeing lights and and basically doing Frogger. My real MVP is Tina Turner singing all of these tracks for this movie. I don't think that it will work without her voice because she has such an iconic voice. Yeah, like that's the pro. I saw Cynthia Revo and Jennifer Hudson are both fantastic singers. They are such great singers. And they both had the movie and the limited series um, doing Aretha Franklin. But 
Aretha Franklin just also to me has one of those voices and as good you as they are at singing, it. I'm right. just like, you're not because you don't sound like her. And there are people who in biopics are like, oh, you're lip syncing. It doesn't. But to me, if you're famous for your voice and you don't sound like the person that that's why, why? they're famous is their voice. Freddie it, Mercury. You got to have the real Freddie Mercury. But that's what they did with his voice. I believe they took Freddie Mercury and then they also took Rami's, took Rami's way down in the mix. Yeah. So that you're at least seeing like him looking like he's singing. Right. But you're hearing like, okay, yeah, that's Freddie Mercury. So I haven't seen this Whitney Houston documentary. I haven't I mean, either. Film, but it's the same kind of thing. If I'm like, that's not Whitney Houston. It takes me out of it. So I know that she didn't see the movie and she had problems with the movie, but hats off to Tina Turner for at least re-recording the stuff. Because especially that one scene where she's doing Fool in Love and it was after I Kid had like beaten her one time. And, and remember Angela Bass has the one tear coming down? Like she, re like that's Tina. So Tina was in there and recorded it. So it would be... And she could get the voice crack and that kind of thing. Exactly. And I'm just like, that is a performer. That is a woman who was like, all right. Mm -hmm. So at least, and, you know, she can have problems with the story and all that, but she did support mm -hmm. the, you know, the, the movie and doing that because it would not have worked any other way. Okay. Um, we have recasting next, and why bother? No. I mean, you can't. Don't. Except for that, I didn't do it, but when I was watching the documentary, I thought of how much that Sir, that um, Serena Williams' face reminds me of, like, Tina Turner. Like, I could, they, I think they have, like, similar. Yeah, she's never. No, she's not an actress. She doesn't no. have that in her wheelhouse. But, and her body is about, has about triple the size of muscle. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, I would, in another world or something, I wouldn't say that Serena, I wouldn't tell Serena Williams she couldn't do this. If she wanted to. I wouldn't tell Serena Williams she couldn't do anything. Are exactly. You exactly. That's my exactly. point. Like, if Serena Williams, like, was, like, did the on the Oprah thing of, like, oh, I want to play Tina Turner, I would completely be, like, my... But we need to have Tina's voice in it. Because just... just you in have making, to. Yeah. Nobody listen, else has that voice. Listen to these other people. So Jennifer Lewis actually auditioned for Tina Turner. Mm -hmm. And she's actually only one year older than Angela mm -hmm. Bassett. Lawrence Fishburne was offered the role five times. But he declined it every time because he's just like, this guy's just a villain. And so then they added that scene about him seeing his father being beaten. But it was really only until Angela Bassett was cast that he mm. went on because remember they they kind of worked together on Boys in the Hood and then they've mm -hmm. also been in like Aquila the Bee together so they they have like a history so once she was on then he was in right. listen to these women who were considered for the role mm -hmm. Holly Berry right mm -hmm. Robin Givens yep Vanessa L Williams yep how are you gonna have Vanessa L Williams with her light eyes and beauty 
Well, all of these women so far just are known for being beautiful. And Angela Bassett is beautiful as well. But I'm just saying, Vanessa Williams and her light eyes. It wouldn't have worked. This is the only way it could have worked. Right. You got Janet Jackson. Yep. Whitney Houston. Yep. Pam Greer. Now, Pam Greer, I I would be like, okay, I, I, could, I could see Pam Greer. You know, I would, I would, I'm not, I'm not so angry about Pam Greer, especially when you consider that Whitney Houston was offered the role. Whitney Houston was offered the role to play Tina Turner, and she, she luckily, was pregnant with Bobby Christina. That's the only reason. I can you imagine? Because, oh. like, like, like Whitney Houston would have would have been like, oh yeah, I'll lip sync Tina Turner. Would she have though? No, that's my point. Exactly. And I and so it would have been more Whitney Houston than I love Whitney Houston, but Whitney Houston. Yeah, that would have been because her voice is a it's a crystal. There's a crystal clarity to Whitney Houston's voice, and the beautiful and that's beautiful too in its own right. But the beautiful thing about Tina Turner is what is if they say in the movie, it's got this rough edge to it. Exactly. It's the edginess to it, the masculinity of it, if you will. This could be problematic, but I don't mean it in a problematic way. Well, I did have that Tina. Okay, we're to Tasties now. We have just gone to Tasties. Mm-hmm. Fuck recasting. That that Tina met Angela and said she's perfect. So Tina gave her her approval. I feel like we've talked about all my tasties. I know. Guy, I took them all. Sorry. Charlie Murphy auditioned for the part of like Charlie Murphy yeah. is Eddie Murphy's brother. I I know. He's no longer with us, but that would have been even Poppy would have just been stayed laughing the whole entire film. It, it would have been a comedy. Eddie Murphy and Ernie Hudson were considered. Who's Ernie Hudson? Ernie Hudson. You know Ernie Hudson. He's been in so many things, but you know him. He was in, I believe he was in Ghostbusters. You know him. He's okay. Like a, yes. I he know kind him. of looks more like Ike Turner. More, than more um, he, thin and yeah. Yeah. And, and he's, he's dark, more darkly complected than Lawrence Fishburne is. Okay, I have, yeah, I have. Tina wished it contained more truth, but the producers felt like more truth, the audience wouldn't believe it. Yeah. All the shit she went and there, through. And there was, because, there, because Tina Turner didn't really sleep with Ike the night that Lorraine shot herself. They were, no. they were friends. They were like, right. she, she always was repulsed by him and thought he was ugly and they were platonic. And it wasn't until, and because like she, Craig was, she had, you know, fathered a kid with another guy in the band. Um, It wasn't until one night that she went to sleep in Ike's bed because another musician was being super creepy to her and was threatening to come into her room. And she went to Ike's room to sleep there to feel safe. But that's when it changed from she went to Ike's room to feel safe. Okay. Yeah. Um, and here's a quote from Ike. Yeah, a hitter. 
but only as much as an average man beats his wife. Yeah, they like and he there was one that was like, Yeah, I hit her. She was walking around looking all sad, and then I would hit her and she would change her attitude. Yeah. But that's how a lot of of men thought. And still and seeing, do. And seeing how in the movie you saw it, Tina focusing on what's happening in the atmosphere and how that's going to affect Ike and how she needs to intervene to make it be positive for Ike. The, the, that whole part of the film where she's like on eggshells trying to make everything so that he doesn't get pissed. But, but that's because nobody ever that's told her. it worked too. Well, that's because nobody ever told her you are good enough. You're, you know, like the environment stronger up and yeah. She, you like is you. smart. You is beautiful. Yeah, nobody ever told her that, so she didn't have. It wasn't until she started doing Buddhism and got and was doing the chanting and stuff that she got the strength of like, oh no, I no. In fact, I deserve more. Mm-hmm. You know, and that that's something that's sad that a lot of people to this day deal with. So other tasties? Um, I just had that in 2018. I guess, Tina, you heard this, that she told Oprah because it wasn't until then that she had just recently watched the film. Oh. And she told Oprah that I watched a little bit of it, but I didn't finish it because that's not how things went. Oprah. I didn't realize they would change so much of the details, which I think we said, Teeny said earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I saw it when in 1993 around then, she's in Venice in the documentary, she's just saying how like she didn't see it. And she's, they're like, why? And she's just like, I like it's it. pain. Yeah, like it's <laughs> painful. Do you want to see yourself on screen being raped and abused and hit? And to know that that's only a tenth of how bad it was. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Um, That scene where Angela Bassett is, it's one of the brutal beating scenes where she's on the couch when Mm -hmm. she was swimming and she's on the couch and she falls over the end of the couch. That was only done in one take because she got a hairline fracture in her arms, in her hand. Yeah, yeah. Because you're just like, oh my gosh, just the the brutality of it. Um, I think like all this this other stuff is just from the celebrity book club podcast that I listened to. It was about because in the the movie, I didn't know as a kid that that wasn't her real hair, and so seeing the movie, um... how her her hair falling out, and then. Because she had had, and that's a, a thing of cast of of natural hair and the idealized um, European model of straight hair being more beautiful. That when her hair fell out, she felt that she was more beautiful because then she could have the wigs with the long straight hair. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then she also became is evidently really good at creating wigs and then like made her own wigs and was oh like, really yeah I was into like sewing it and coming up with all of that kind of stuff because that at the um in the 80s when she did the the spiky hair mm-hmm. that was so cool remember the um 
the fireworks that we would call the Tina yeah, Turner. Yeah, the Tina Turner. Uh-huh. There's that firework. I know exactly yeah. which one you're talking about. See? <laughs> exactly. exactly. Um, and then like in the movie, one of another one of the inaccuracies is when Ike comes and confronts her when she's going out to do like what's love got to do with it, like you know, coming out yes, of her own. Yes. And he has yeah. the gun and she's like, What are you gonna do, Ike? Well, when Tina and was living with Rhonda after she left him. Ike did drive-by shootings. At, of course he did. You know, like That's he what shot he knew. out. Yeah, he That's shot out the windows knew. of her car. So it's just, mm-hmm. it's just funny because like just the movie is like, oh, he threatened the violence, but no, he like tried to shoot up things mm-hmm. and and all of that. Um, and in they t- sell. So I guess this is a part in the book that. At the airport one time, a man just yelled out to Tina Turner, Tina, I love you. Because of your movie, I stopped beating my wife. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. Oh, God. Just can you imagine, like, all that she's been through? It's like, okay. Like, thank you? Like, okay. Yeah. What is she supposed to do with when that? When did anybody think it was okay to beat another human being? They have, because look at the history of, of well, the history of the world, of, you know, of... I was reading an article about beauty standards with women and how that the end goal has it you know it's always like oh we need to be this because it's always like oh in this culture it's a european standard but how there are other cultures where no you they feed women so that they to be married mm-hmm. so that they're a beast mm-hmm. and like in other because countries, that means that you had enough money to feed them the stuff that made them obese right and then like another beauty standard is like extending the your bottom lip and and that kind of thing and right because they're talking about some people getting fat sucked out of their cheeks so that they're so they would have cheekbones and mm-hmm. you know things about like injecting lips and then all of the Kardashian. different things yeah like all the different like oh skinny is now in because in the early 90s remember like rail thin early 2000, you know, skinny. And then it flips to like, oh, does my butt look big in this? And now it's like, no, I need to go someplace and have my butt look big in this and all of that. And they're like, well, what's the end game? And it's like, no, the end game is to always make women feel insecure because if you're insecure, then you're easier to be dominated. Exactly. So it's a tale as old as time, you know? Tini, do you have some tasties for us? No, I think we've covered all of mine. Well, as we're talking about the the butts and the and the needing to make it bigger, I wanted to give a shout out to Evan Goldstein and his show, the um, Oh yeah, the um, How I Caught My Killer. Um, because the first one I watched was a transgender woman who actually had some um like a like a a butt uh apparatus to make make her butt look bigger and mm-hmm. and that was found at the crime scene so we yeah guys listen watch how i caught my killer um evan goldstein had a lot to do with it evidently it's on hulu he it's worked on really who, hard on it, and it was really hard for him to work on it. An entire year, and and to work on each each 
each episode is a different story. And so to work on that many stories of um, people who've been killed, but yeah, so that reminded me of that. Yeah, people using implants and just other things to help, you know, make them look however the look of the day is. Yeah, which is all from to, because it all comes from within. So because everybody's looking outside to find what comes from within. And that's part of like what chanting helps you do of centering yourself. Exactly, exactly. And look at what's important and what isn't. You already have everything that you will ever need. So that is our, and I think I, I feel like we did a fair a fair bit of justice to Miss Tina Turner. I hope so, mm-hmm. man. It's one of it's one of my favorite movies because it's so problematic, but it's also because Angela Bassett is so amazing and Tina Turner is so awesome. Exactly. You you take the good, you take the bad, but at the end it's just like, man, I just love this film. All warts and all. It warts and all. And you can overcome this. You can move on and um okay. Next week, next week I am picking, yes? <laughs> so yeah. it oh, is. Shit. Yeah, you know, oh, we can right. oh. <laughs> I know TD already has her film because of the, the text oh, conversation. That's so funny. So save it for next week because this week I'm doing a film based on an autobiography I've been reading that was a gift from Paul Newman but he's not in it oh is it Joanne Woodward it's Uh he's the director of it what directing Uh it is a 1968 film one hour 41 minutes we can watch it on Apple or Prime Rotten Tomatoes 90 percent oh a um yeah, not so much the audience. So it's going to be interesting. Uh, Estelle Parsons is in it in a supporting role because, yes, Joanne Woodward has the leading role because we don't do enough to say what an amazing actress she is. Ideas? Ideas? No, I, have zero I forget the name, that the movie that he directed. It's, he didn't direct just one. I I, I know I don't. I'm it was sorry. such a good, an extraordinary, an an extraordinary story of an ordinary man, Paul Newman. It was such a good memoir. Oh, the, the book, yes. Yeah, it was so good, so easy to read. Um, 1968's Rachel, Rachel. Oh, Rachel, Rachel. Okay. He directed it. There were a lot, there were um, conflicts with them as he was directing her and such. Oh, you don't say. <laughs> strong, I I believe that Joe, I could see Joe where she's a very strong Southern woman, uh, being directed by Paul Newman, because she's like, I'm way more I raised your motherfucking children. I raised your children, and you get all the acclaim because we live in a patriarchy? What? You don't say. But what a fine human specimen he was. So 1968's Rachel, Rachel next week. I hope you enjoyed what's left 
Go, oh, go ahead, okay. Karen. Mm. What's love, love got, got to do with it. with it as much as we enjoyed it? And that happy new year listeners. Thank you for continuing to listen to us. You 17 wonderful people. And we will see you next week. Happy Martin Luther King Day. Yes, as well. Bye-bye. <laughs> 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 <laughs>